Good evening, everyone. Uh, meeting will come to order. The chair committee of the committee, Eric McDonald. I uh, want to first thank our, as always, our fantastic Human Rights Commission staff, John McKnight, Amelia Martinez-Bankhead, and Jeanette Coates for providing technical assistance with today's meeting. Also want to thank Brittany Chiquata, Joel Stewart, Zach Manuel, and Nicole Elmore for their work in the Economic Rights Division of HRC supporting the committee. Uh, Secretary Moki Meyer, uh, do we have any announcements? Um, good evening, Chair. This meeting, this evening's meeting is being held in San Francisco City Hall, one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlit Place in room 400. Members of the public can join us in person or participate remotely. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. People attending in person will be called to speak first, followed by those of you attending remotely. Anyone calling in, please mute your phone until asked to speak. Please use the raise hand icon to indicate you would like to participate in public comment. Item number one is call to order and committee roll call. I will announce committee members' names and they will announce if they're present. James Lance Taylor. Present. Tanish Hollins. Eric McDonald. Present. Reverend Dr. Amos Brown. Present. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Present. Gloria Berry. Present. Daniel Landry. Tiffany Carter. Present. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekenem. Star Williams. I do see Star has joined us on the um, virtually. And for the record, I will note that Vice Chair Tanish Hollins is here. Shaquille O'Kane, Letitia Irving. We do have quorum. The meeting can be called to order. Excellent. Thanks so much. Um, before we dive into our meeting, just wanted to take a few minutes to pause and reflect on a couple of things. One, um, uh, the next few days mark milestones for the committee. Tonight, we meet in person for the first time. Um, and we're excited to do so and also excited that technology still allows for uh, members of community to join us as, as well. Um, the process started with COVID-19 health emergency and City Hall was closed to the general public. Um, and so we ask also that you be patient with the committee staff as we work through our first hybrid meeting, figuring out the technology um, and trying to manage the meeting efficiently and effectively, but there may be some delays switching um, to remote public comment. So again, please be patient with us. As has already been announced, public comment uh, will be two minutes um, and the images our online participants can see, online participants see are different. Um, the advisory committee has gathered together in San Francisco's um, City Hall at 100 Car Carlton B. Goodlett Place. Dr. Goodlett was a physician, founder of the Sun Reporter, newspaper and reporter publishing company established in 1951. <clears throat> it's a fiercely independent periodical still focusing on issues impacting Black San Franciscans. Uh, he served on the National Newspaper Publishers Association, three terms as president of the Black Press of America, and the chair of the California Black Leadership Council and president of the San Francisco chapter of the NAACP. Tomorrow, uh, the African-American Representative Advisory Committee will be here at City Hall to present our draft report to the Board of Supervisors during a committee of the whole. Uh, thank you uh, to 
Supervisor Shimon Walton for sponsoring the legislation that created this body and his steadfast support. Also want to thank our human rights director, uh, Dr. Cheryl Evans Davis for putting together the team supporting this work. Um, tomorrow, uh, the committee will present, the committee presents presence will present our recommendations to the Board of Supervisors along with the DreamKeeper initiative. And we look forward to the community's opportunity to participate in that meeting. Everyone attending in person uh, and remotely is invited to participate in tomorrow's presentation to the Board of Supervisors. Um, the rally will be on the steps of City Hall at uh, noon. Um, there will be lunch provided. However, we ask that you register just so that we uh, have a, a good sense of the numbers that will be gathering and we can plan accordingly. 1 p.m. we'll have lunch. 2 p.m. the Board of Supervisors meeting starts in room 250. 3 p.m. is when we expect for the Committee of the Whole uh, to hear the draft report and DreamKeeper initiative presentations. For those of you who will, be, will participate remotely, you can watch San Francisco Cable Channel 26, 28, 78, or 79, depending on your provider. You can also watch on sfgovtv.org and public comment call-in number and meeting idea will be placed, ID, excuse me, will be placed in the chat. Secretary Mokimai, please call the next item on the agenda. Item number two is land and ancestral acknowledgements. This is a discussion item. Thank you. Can I call on uh, Member Ekonem to please read the ancestral acknowledgement? Great. Sound check now. Hello? Oh, yes. Perfect. Thank you. We honor the gifts, resilience, and sacrifices of our Black ancestors, particularly those who toiled the land and built the institutions that established the city's wealth and freedom, despite never being compensated nor fully realizing their own sovereignty. We acknowledge the exploitation of not only labor, but of our humanity. And through this process, we are working to repair some of the harms done by public and private actors. Because of their work, we are here and will invest in the descendants of their legacy. Thank you. Vice Chair Holmes. Thank you. She'll turn you off. She'll turn me off. Go ahead. Thank you, Madam Secretary. I will read the Ramatush Ohlone land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you so much, Secretary. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Item number three is updates to African-American Reparations Advisory Committee draft report. This is a discussion and possible action item. This is time for members of the public to share new recommendations for the final San Francisco Reparations Plan, including any updates to eligibility requirements. There will be a presentation from Eric McDonald, the chair of the African-Americans Reparations Advisory Committee. 
Vice Chair Tanish Hollins, and there will be public comment and committee comment on this item. Thank you so much. Uh, so before we get to discussion of the committee and before we get to public comment, we want to display and we want to thank first uh, members of the public who have already uh, shared recommendations or shared rec alternate uh, opportunities, excuse me, for additional recommendations. And uh, we appreciate uh, HRC staff that have gathered them. Um, Zach, Zach in particular, thank you very much. Uh, and so if we could display, please, the um, additional recommendations just so that we have a chance to see them. They've been categorized uh, based upon the subcommittee. So economic empowerment, education, policy, and health. Next slide, please. It's not changing for There we go. So here we have again a set of recommendations. Uh, I will not read them. I'll give you a chance to review them. Uh, we will come back and discuss them after we hear public comment. Can we go to the next slide, please? John, can you move through the slides? I am there, very uh, lethargic. I am moving up. These are the second page. Okay, we can go to policy. That's fine. Pause there for just a second. Give folks a chance to take a look at them. Again, we will come back and look at them during committee discussion. Here are the health. I'm sorry, go back to health, please. A little too fast. Uh oh. We shared um, the progression of the slides is a little uh, interesting. So let me just go back if I could, Dr. Empowerment. I'll bring this back up for you and give you the time necessary to see the slides. Thank um, you so much. So that was the second page of economic empowerment recommendations. Okay, please. Slide four. Sorry, give me one moment, sir. I'm going to get that right back to you and make sure that you see it. I'm going to pull off the sharing slide. Let me bring it right back up. I know I'm on the first slide. Here it comes up. I believe this should progress it. I'm not on that call of empowerment. Moving to the next slide. Continued. Let me know if you wish me to progress, please. You can go to the next slide, please. Thank you, Chair. Here are the policy recommendations. And to the next slide, please. The education recommendations. Thank you. Go to the next slide, please. Health recommendations. which includes social, interrogating social determinants of health. And the next slide, please. Recommendations re related to the eligibility. 
Next slide, please. All right. So those are, again, the set of new recommendations that have come to the committee so far. What I'd like to do now is go to public comment, uh, invite those present and those online to offer public comment. Public comment will be two minutes per person. Um, people attending in person are invited to make public comment, and then uh, we will go to those online. Madam Secretary. If there are any members of the public participating in person, please approach the um, dais and we will um, commence public comment. Hold on, can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me now? There you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. It is quite an honor and pleasure to be amongst you distinguished people that are putting recommendations for this very important issue. Um, being this is the first time in person, I, I'm I'm just pleased that, because I don't do too much of uh, Zoom. But there are a lot of questions that I want to ask, but I, I'm not going to ask too many tonight. I'm just here documenting, finding out what y'all saying. And after then, I'll be setting up some interviews and setting some different, uh, uh, how can I put it, um, situation so people could talk to you personally. I mean, people should be here. I, I'm surprised that uh, people are not here. Maybe they didn't know. I know I uh, did a lot of PSAs on my own channel, but I, I, I'm pleased right now that, uh, oh, by the way, those recommendations, do you have those in, in writing? Do, do you have copies of those? There are copies. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, um, Everything you got my stamp of, of approval. I'm here just documenting things and later on y'all could explain the things. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Washington. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? Welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm going to say pretty much the same thing I said in Sacramento uh, last weekend. Um, so uh, some of you have, we've been introduced via Zoom. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, so basically what I wanted to say is that, you know, uh, San Francisco and California as a whole, um, basically the world is watching what we're going to do. And um, I think the efforts for reparations should be something that should be a foundation that can be used, not just here, not just in Sacramento, not just in L.A., but pretty much everywhere, including the Deep South, because um, things that we can do here won't happen in places like Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee, Florida, and places like that. So um, I think we should be mindful of that. Uh, an example I used in Sacramento were the marchers who marched from Montgomery, I'm sorry, from Selma to Montgomery. They weren't just marching for their right to vote, they were marching for everyone's right to vote. So I think this is a time to be selfless and consider what we're, what we're proposing here. And you know, what are we gonna tell our relatives who are still in these Southern states about what to do for their reparations when they're gonna get blocked left and right from the very, very conservative uh, atmosphere in that area. Um, I have a plan that I've introduced to a few people on the panel and uh, I believe it's a plan that'll pass. And um, it is very, I think any plan that we do should be as unattackable as possible. And unfortunately, uh, some of the press about our efforts here in San Francisco have been tarnished, but I don't think it's too late. 
So I'll uh, see you later if you want to learn about the plan. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to participate in public comment on this item? Okay, I, I see none. There are members of the public attending remotely who would like to participate in public comment on this item. I see nine hands raised. Let's start with Malik Sinarefu. Welcome. Can you unmute? Hello. Thank you. Can you Thank hear my you. Yes. Oh, I just would like to give uh, a great, uh, just a great congratulations to Black San Francisco and to all of my good friends and community members who are sitting abroad. My name is Malik Sineferu. Uh, I was born and raised in San Francisco. I'm actually a third generation San Franciscan and a fourth generation Californian uh, who was actually pushed out of San Francisco. Uh, uh, due to uh, the circumstances of uh, living in public housing in San Francisco. Um, I'm working with a group of youth entitled uh, Woke Action, the Woke Action Group, where we uh, started a series of murals, uh, which rep represents um, reparations that we did back in 2019. I say all of this to say that I uh, really am interested in trying to engage a youth committee that could be able to be a part of uh, such of, uh, of a group. And I know I haven't had the opportunity to be there in person and what as I wish to have. I work in uh, Alice Griffith Double Rock and uh, that's where I am right now. So you're hearing me speak from there. So I just wanna try to figure out how I can uh, engage to get our youth uh, and their voice involved in this process. Uh, from there, I'm gonna hold back my comments. Thank you. Now I would like to call Dr. Scott. Welcome, Dr. Scott. Can you unmute yourself? Okay, we're having some technical difficulties with Dr. Scott. So now I'd like to welcome LaDonna Williams. Yes. Hello. Okay, let's try Dr. Scott one more time. I did see Dr. Scott unmute. Dr. Scott, can you unmute yourself? Okay, now we'll move on to LaDonna Williams. LaDonna Williams, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Yes, good evening. Um, I, I wanted to say, first of all, um, obviously there is a problem with your system because I've had to tap on the 
blink thing twice and it was blinking back and forth. So it took a minute. And then I guess you took the other person. But the fact that there's only two people in attendance um, there, the reason I can't come is because it creates a risk for my family for me to be there in person. Otherwise I'd be there. But that room should be overflowing, standing room only. Lack of communication on the outreach and engagement of the public to be addressing this issue. That is a major, major problem. The other thing is this Dream Keepers initiative that's being pushed as part of the reparations package should not occur. It should not be included as a part of reparations, particularly the fact that there are non-Black, non-American -dis uh, descendants of chattel slavery who would benefit from the Dream Keepers. That poses a problem and a conflict of interest not to mention those who uh, the San Francisco, what is it, Human Rights Commission who put uh, the Dream Keepers together. When they gave a presentation to the state, they didn't even include the $5 million request payment that we requested as the public. It was not included in your presentations at all. Is that, um, was my time up? I'm hearing beeping going on. There's a chime at 30 seconds. You still have 17 seconds. And even this setup, how much do you really want to hear from the public? I'll make the rest of my comments tomorrow. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome, we'll try Dr. Scott one more time. Can you unmute yourself? Okay, I'm going to move on to Alyssa Jones-Garner. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you, um, members of the committee. Um, if it's possible, can the slide be pulled back up that lists um, assistance with acquiring DNA um, testing to establish um, their um, applicability for the reparations. Um, I did want to mention something. Um, there was an organization founded in 1816 called the American Colonization Society um, that basically sent free Black people, about 15,000, to colonize life, to colonize Africa, um, specifically West Africa, um, which resulted in the formation of the country that is called Liberia. Um, so doing DNA testing and finding lineage in West Africa um, does not necessarily mean that you are of African origin. Um, it could be that you are descended of freedmen or free Black people that were already here in the United States. Um, and I would ask that the committee maybe formulate a way to analyze that what those results would mean as far as applicability for this process, um, because it, it does create a bit of a conundrum. Um, and librarian people did, you know, spread out into other West African countries. Um, but again, that does not mean that they, they were a part of like chattel slavery. So I just wanted to make sure that that was known. Um, and the White House, I believe, has a page 
on that detailing that project uh, because a number of founding fathers were a part of that society to basically use freed people, freed black people in the United States to colonize African nations. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to remind members of the public that um, there is a chime at 30 seconds and you will hear that and that will indicate that you have 30 seconds left of your two minutes. Now I'd like to welcome Lorna Hawkins. I think I'm unmuted. You are you unmuted. Yes. Thank okay, you. Great. Thank you. I got a little bit of a call, but thank you for the opportunity to even speak. Um, and I am from Southern California. I'm having issues um, with them uh, including me, like you all are including me in San Francisco, which I think is strange. But there was a gentleman named Maliki talked about youth being part of this committee and he wants them included. And I definitely agree with that. But I also would like to say that there are millions of young people living in California that are victims of crime. Their fathers and mothers have been murdered, especially in the 80s and the 90s. And absolutely nobody is looking out for them. I mean, nobody. So if we're going to be including funds to dream keepers or any other group that needs to be included for whatever reason, then we need to also think about the young men and women that are lost living in California, trying to find a way that can't find their fathers, right? Because they're dead. I had both of my sons were murdered when my grandsons were babies. One of them never met his father. He's 34. You can imagine what he's going through. I hear the 30 seconds and I appreciate that. So with that being said again, I agree with Malik. I think victims of crime and that's young people, people between the ages of whatever up to 40 should be included in this, right? In, in helping them in some kind of way from this lostness, from this anger, from this pain that they feel every single day. Thank you. Now I'd like to wel welcome Brian Jones. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I think, well, my question is, I, I'll just say first that I think that your parameters for the inclusion of who gets reparations are very generous. I think they should be a little stricter, a little less generous. But my question is the pushback that we will get from the state of California is how is all this going to be paid for? And I, my question is to the panel, what is your answer to that? And I have ideas that I would like to share tomorrow because I will be there tomorrow in person and be able to um, orate those ideas. So that's all I wanted to say for today. And I will be glad to see you all tomorrow. Thank you. 
Now I'd like to welcome Alicia Mayo. Good evening, committee members. Thank you to all of your hard work. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm a Black woman-owned independent media agency supported by the Dreamkeeper Initiative, which is separate from reparations. The Dreamkeeper Initiative is not a part of the reparations movement right now. So I am asking the public to go to www.dreamkeepersf.org look that up and see the difference between sfreparations.org and dreamkeepersf.org. There are stark differences. Um, also, I wanted to add two San Francisco retailers who have benefited from slavery in the past. I want to add them to the list of um, possible funders for reparations, including Brooks Brothers, who provided clothing to the masters of slaves uh, for the slaves. Brooks Brothers is a current retailer um, who provided clothing to slaves, okay? And Tiffany and Company. Tiffany and Company, they benefited through their other, um, through their long, long business uh, holdings. They have, they're the parent, parent company of smaller companies that had uh, part in slavery, but they are also retailers in San Francisco. And um, my mother at one point was paying rent to the Brooks Brothers. Um, and so I want us to just expand our economic outreach to cover the uh, 5 million and the rest of the benefits that we will receive. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Now I would like to welcome the person who's logged in under Dr. Scott's login. I'm told there are two Dr. Scott. Oscar James? Yes, thank you. Yes, uh, I just got to talking to Dr. Scott. She's unable to get in for some reason or what have you. Anyway, my name is Oscar James. And uh, I really appreciate what you guys have done thus far. But uh, one of the things I, I think is missing is the history of the problems that have transpired out here in Bayview Hunters Point when they allowed from the, uh, from the, uh, the uh, farmer's market that was down on Embarcadero and they brought them to Bayview Hunters Point on Gerald Street. They gave them a 50 year rent free lease. Now they didn't give anything like that to people who, were, who was relocated out of Western Edition nor Hunters Point during the redevelopment construction, all of those businesses that was taken out with no, no uh, compensation. So when you start talking about reparation, those businesses would have been multi-million dollar businesses right now. The business that was in the, the uh, produce market, they were there 50 years rent-free, including the Bank of America. As soon as that, as soon as that free rent left, they left. So what I'm saying is a lot of other things that I know out here in Bayview Hunters Point that has transpired where black folks have not benefited and everyone else has came out here and benefit. I tried to make to some of your meetings, but unfortunately I was unable to find parking spaces on McAllister around that area. But I would like to get in contact with, with you guys 
so I can let some of this stuff off my chest on things that happen in this community where we have not benefited, but every other race has came out of here, came into this community and benefited. And no one has ever talked about us pulling ourselves up like they did with their bootstraps. So I'm looking for something uh, tangible. I'm talking kind of fast, but I only have that two minutes and you have to excuse me because I do not, uh, 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 my mind don't regulate, I'm six years old. So Reverend Amos Brown, no, no 76 years old, minds uh, are, so please forgive me, but it's a lot of things out here in this community where community has not benefited. My Thank grand- you. Thank my you, sir. Your two minutes have expired. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Renard Monroe. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Um, first, I just want to say thank you to all of the committee members who have been working diligently on this process uh, for, for the Black community. Um, anytime we talk, start talking about equity and dollar signs, we're going to get pushback for our community. And at this time, we don't need, I mean, just my opinion, we just don't need a bunch of people with all these different ideas to kind of take away from the message that is being presented that we need to stick together at this time. You know what I mean? We need to really stick together as a community to make changes for our community. We're in this position and we talk about reparations because so much trauma and so much devastation has been done to our community. All right, this country was built on the backs of black people and we're still, a, we're still standing, but we're barely standing. And we're not in San Francisco, uh, I think we're at less than 3% of the population now. And that's because that's for a reason. So at this time, um, separating the dream keepers and reparations, it obviously is two different things, but where were we, what were we getting in the black community before dream keepers? What was being set aside for, for the black community? We have to look at these things and for reparations, everybody's stuck on this $5 million, $5 million and haven't even looked at the actual process and, and what has been done to our community. You know what I mean? Nobody's put a dollar sign on uh, people losing their whole family in the black community, their homes being gone, not being able to get jobs. You know, it's still happening today. So we need to get stop people in this community got to stop looking at the amount of money and start running when the money come, but running for these issues and the processes that we've been fighting for for day one. So I wanted to thank the committee for taking time out of their personal life to try to look out for the black community. I'm with you. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome India Price. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, hi. Thank you, everybody. Um, I just want to appreciate your guys' effort. Um, but I wanted to just reiterate, I think it was already kind of on the uh, recommendations, but, you know, just the fact that there has been so many people that have been displaced from San Francisco and California in general, um, because of, you know, the gentrification and the uh, the raising of, of how expensive it is to live in San Francisco in particular. I'm actually an individual that was displaced. And so I think it's very important that um, these types of individuals are included, not just because of myself, but just because there are so many people um, that are no longer living in the Bay Area. And I think we started seeing this mass exodus when in 2008, when the housing crisis kicked off. Um, 
So I do think that is important along with, of course, taking care of those who are already still in the community. But um, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. And thank you guys so much for the work that you guys have already done. Um, I think it's remarkable. And I hope that the rest of the world will, or the rest of at least America will, will take on um, your guys's, uh, will follow your guys's lead. So thank you. Thank you. I'd like to welcome someone titled Critically, Critical Diversity Studies. You are logged into Zoom is Critical Diversity Studies. Okay, we'll move on. Hello. Oh. There you go. Thank you. Oh, hi. My name is Tracy. I don't know why it's titled <laughs> under that. Um, I would first like to say um, thank you to everybody on, on the panel for doing all the hard work and the heavy lifting for the Black um, Californians um, to receive reparations. And I think it's um, amazing that um, we have finally come to a point where we can even have this discussion of reparations. But another thing I wanted to bring up, if it's a question, is um, I wanted to know if anyone on the panel was aware of a study that has been done that um, shows black medium wealth will be zero in the year of 2053. And if so, do you think that reparations can, uh, would combat this um, prediction that they have made so far into the future? Uh, also, um, I know, no, maybe you can't answer that now, but I also would like to know, are there any other organizations, other race people trying to help black people, people who have already received reparations? Are they, because everything that I'm reading online in the news, everything, people are opposing it. And it's like, <laughs> if this many people are opposing it on this, on public level, I can't imagine what it's going to look like when it get to Congress or the Senate or whoever's supposed to pass this. Okay, thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Cheryl. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for all of your work. I know I have just a little bit of time. I have, I am a, a native San Franciscan and I grew up in a grassroots family. My father, he marched with Martin Luther King. Um, I carried picket signs right there in San Francisco uh, at five years old. I probably didn't even know what the signs said. So for me to see something like this go forth, and there's so much importance, I just got the notification. This has got, there's got to be a better way to get this information out because that room would be full. And also, I work with the homeless mental health. Uh, black community for over 25 years. Uh, also have been a, an employee of Glide Memorial for many years as well. And uh, the money needs to definitely go into the black community. I was there when Divisadero Street was thriving with black businesses. And so a lot of this uh, drug abuse and reasons for being homeless 
that money needs to go into that area as well because we're drowning. We're drowning in that. But I want to thank you for all your help and allowing me to speak. And I'm just, if my father, thank you. If my father was alive, he would just be crying right now with tears of joy. I really, really thank you all for your work. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Gregory Joe Bledsoe. Okay, can you hear us? Yes. Okay. Nasira. Oh, great. Um, I'm Nasira Ajila. We're in the Gambia, West Africa. Um, but I was born and raised in San Francisco in 1954. Uh, we lived on McAllister, my mother and father, and six siblings. And 1967, we were told that we had to move out of the area because they, the redevelopers wanted to um, build again. So what happened, our family weren't interested in um, taking that deal. Well, on um, one Sunday morning, um, we had a, an explosion. A house blew up and our windows all, yeah, across the street, there was a house that was blown up. It was the Marquis Club that was there at that time. And we were really in shock because we had to move because um, we didn't have a choice. Uh, however, um, my father was told that we had to move or otherwise our house would be condemned. So we moved to Baker Street in 1967. And Unfortunately, a lot of our people have died and, and wasn't able to survive as I have. And it has been really a blessing that you all are really here to assist us. Thank you. And I'm Nasira Ajila. Known as? Uh, Deborah Tripp in the DuBose family. And I also have my certificate of preference I had gotten 12 years ago. So whatever that can help um, the homeless, because most of them are homeless because of the situation. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Daryl Wynn. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, committee. Uh, I want to first say thank you for your work. Uh, hello, Pastor Brown. You pastored my my mom for maybe when for a number of years at Third Baptist. So thank you, sir, for your work. Uh, I, I just would like to say I just I'm, I'm a native San Franciscan, and I care about the city still. However, it's hard to come back home because I don't see us anymore. I don't see our businesses. You know, the neighborhood has changed. But uh, aside from that, and I haven't, I haven't read the document, I just found out about it today. So I'm echoing Sister LaDonna Williams, who asked about, you know, um, when was this, and somebody else in the chat, the, 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 the information, we didn't get the information. Folks that used to live there didn't get the information about what's going on. And again, as I applaud your, your work, um, and I think maybe you might get a little too much negative criticism 
but I applaud your work. But at the same time, um, the word needs to go out a little bit more and better. And question, are you going to answer any questions tonight? I won't be able to be there tomorrow. I will be keeping up going forward. But I would like to know why the uh, more information isn't going out. But again, um, I'm going to read the, all the documents, but I congratulate you. I thank you. As one um, person said, I never thought this would happen, you know, and uh, I just, I, I pray it does. I pray it does. So um, thank you for your work. And, um, but please keep us informed as best as you can. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Siobhan Hunter. morning good afternoon good evening to whoever's on the call sound like y'all from all over the world my name is Siobhan Hunter um I just want to say first to the reparations committee you guys have did an excellent job I've read this document a thousand times probably thousand and one and I think that you included as much as that you could possible to address the challenges and so I just want to say thank you once again in particular I do want to just emphasize the things that stood out for me was objective around economic empowerment sections 1.3 through 1.6 um, speaks a lot of volumes to the people that I work with and for in particular um, the financial edu the spectrum of financial education and the debt forgiveness because again, $5 million sounds great, but when you start paying off uh, the things that got you in um, inequitable practices in the first place, uh, you'll probably be back to zero again. I also want to uh, speak to your rental assistance and home ownership, specifically 2.3, 2.4, and 2.5, and 2.6. Um, I know there's a lot of people talking about the, the Dreamkeeper initiative and how people are eligible for housing, but a lot of people fell through the cracks um, around, and I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up, but just saying that a lot of people fell through the cracks due to the fact that they uh, have home ownership and, and they weren't, they, they're not eligible to get um, uh, the upkeep of their homes. And so we have a lot of people still in despair in, in San Francisco. The last thing I want to speak to is on the health, the objective five. I think we need to speak more to um, making sure that we have cultural uh, restorative practices implemented, which means that we can actually get back to some of our cultural stuff in particular for African-Americans that are uh, descendants of Africa. So again, I wanna say thank you again, team, and um, I'll do what I can to make sure people get this information. I'm out. Thank you, Sharon. Now I would like to welcome Oscar James. Sorry. Hello, Oscar James. If you've already spoke on, you cannot speak on an item twice. I'd like to welcome Brenda Brassa. Brenda Barros, is that you say? Oh, it says Brassa on my computer screen. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. That's okay, that's okay. Okay, I'll start your public comment now. I have a lot of family members that will benefit. Um, but I, I, I still uh, say that I, I really would love to see a plan on how you're going to bring Black people back to San Francisco. That's it. That's the only thing I see missing. I mean, 
and I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe some of these people who've been there 13 years, I got to do all my numbers. I don't know if I meet the criteria or not yet, but I think that that's something that needs to be looked at. And then also, when you talk about hiring and people are being hired and getting more Black people hired, one of the largest employers is the city of San Francisco. And I got to tell you that, you know, there needs to be a lot of work about how Black employees are treated within the city of San Francisco. Because we can get all these young people jobs, but when they get there, if they get treated a certain way, they're either not going to stay or they're going to get fired. So I think some a lot of effort needs to be put into that. I know that's not a part of this now, but as a Black community, that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Seriously. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, now I would like to welcome Dr. Scott. Can you unmute? Thank you so much, Kathy. Finally, I could not unmute the other time, so. Uh, forgive me for those delays. I couldn't, there was nothing for me to use. And then lines started crossing of other people waiting to be called on would come into my phone and my phone was ringing and it was the people that were speaking. So there's a glitch there, but this is Dr. Carolyn Ransom Scott, a native of San Francisco since um, the 1940s. I've served as a missionary over 50 years and watched the disparities and all the transformations and changes in the city. And I am thankful for this committee, all of your hard work and the details that you're putting into the things that must be done, need to be done with our health, education, the uh, workforce, uh, economic empowerment, as well as especially education for our children that must come first and the things that need to happen. I am for having a school, especially for the African-American black culture and for our children to get cultural teaching, training, nourishment. And it is just what we deserve, what is needed to repair the damages that have been done through the decades and even the centuries. Dr. Scott, are you there? I am, but I thought my time was up. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, your time isn't up, but you still have 30 seconds. Okay. So basically we have not as a people stopped giving and contributing uh, contributing to this city, the state, or the nation. And we are a forgiving people, a people that are building and have built this city on our backs. And yet the city has not done enough to keep us alive and to keep us going and thriving. So I'll stop there. Thanks. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Now I'd like to welcome Frederick Martin. Hello, 
<clears throat> um, thank you uh, to all the committee members and everybody behind the scenes who got this started. Um, I appreciate all the work that you've done. I've been in many meetings with um, a lot of people and I think these recommendations are outstanding. I think we can get them. I think we're due them. I think we're owed all of these things. Why? Because we wouldn't even make the list if all these things hadn't happened. So I think all of that needs to be honored. And so I'm gonna add something. Um, I've read through it. Uh, I was more concerned with the economic um, empowerment <clears throat> um, piece because it covers a lot of things and specific things that I've been working on over the years. And, and I'm concerned, the, my only concern right now at this point is that um, uh, once this is approved or parts or, you know, whatever parts are approved um, with in regard to the land and the housing and all that, it's people coming from everywhere. It's people in San Francisco. Millionaires and billionaires are flocking to San Francisco and they're buying up a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of land and a lot of buildings and refurbishing and repurposing them. So I was, I would add that after these are approved specifically with land, housing, home ownership, that it be in effect immediately. And we already have, there's already a list of all the vacant properties where all these rich people are sitting on those properties. And we got people out on the streets that are unhoused, 45% African-American on the streets receiving the worst parts of systemic racism and the, oh God. Thank you for your comment. Um, we do have one member of the public attending in person who would like to make a comment. That's Ron Carter. Well, I'm going to begin by saying thank you for at least including my comments. Can you just center their microphone? For including my comments at the early uh, reparations committee meetings because the mic was disabled. Ms. Hochmeyer made me remember that. So Today I came so I could actually have a conversation with the board, with the committee to, to inform them of just exactly what it is I'm trying to do. Now I have created 60 business companies and I've launched them all on Facebook. They are economic recovery project foundations I have made for every nationality of people, every race and every nationality. Also I have created African economic improvement movement to save an African economy. Now, the purpose of creating all these things is so that, and how that plays into the reparations committee is simply this. When people enroll in their own national economic recovery project foundation, and when they don to the each individual national economic recovery project, whether it be Asian, Italian, Irish, Scotch, African-American all have. When those different nationalities don't enter their own company, then we ask, I would ask for them to make, to allow a portion of what they donate to go to African Economic Recovery Project Foundations for the purpose of African uh, reparations to be used for things that are consistent with the needs of African-Americans, which as he 
just said happen to be for the most part uh, uh, homelessness. We have a very large problem with homelessness in our community. It's all across the country. Okay, today I called uh, my 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 old friend from my hometown, Chicago, uh, Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson. I asked him and his organization to help me get over some hurdles that I need to make sure that these companies are operational on a national level, okay? And so that's what I'm working on right now. I have also requested a list of all the vacant properties here in San Francisco that the Department of Building Inspection has. I asked them to deliver it to me. They promised to have it here to, to me today. It's not there. So I don't have that to tell you I have in my hand now. But that's the other thing I'm working on is I'm going to work on that list to find out what's available out here, Sir, you're what's public. vacant, It's past try to see minutes. if we can raise some money so we can take part in acquiring some of these properties to the purpose Thank of you. developing housing. Thank you. Um, now I'd like to go um, to Reverend Tony Pierce. Reverend Pierce, I see that you're unmuted. I do not hear you. Let's try Lonnie Mason. Yes, um, good evening. Um, I can tell there's a lot of individuals, a lot of new people, which is good, but unfortunately, there's not enough individuals there. So um, that's an issue, that's a problem. It reminds me of the days when I was on the Restoration Advisory Board back in 2008, 2009, dealing with the Navy shipyard. And when they moved it from the Southeast Community Center to YMCA, the outreach was atrocious. There was nobody involved anymore. So we got to do better with the outreach. But I'm looking at this economic empowerment. I'm seeing the, the, the bullet points of put reparation payment into SSI, SSD, and the various, you know, prioritized Black contractors and developers. My thing is, is this, when it comes to reparation, I look at the cash reparation. I I'm not about putting money in other people's hands where they can have control. We should have control of our own money, period. We should get to decide where we wanna put our money and invest our money to, not, not anyone else. These other programs, I don't agree with. They can be established, but we can come together to establish them together but not put it in someone else's hand or give them authority or authorize them. Like for instance, in tonight profit, it was brought up about DK um, uh, drink initiative. I don't think that should be a part of it. Was that my time? You still have 22 seconds. Okay, I heard a beat. So you, you paused, it made me think that you know, my time was up. So yeah, when it comes to the nonprofit, I was looking at that 
And now you threw me off my spot, thinking that was my time up. But anyhow, I don't think it should be a part of it. I don't think it should be a part of the reparation, any nonprofit. Now they just disconnected me. Oh my goodness. Thank you, sir. Now I'd like to welcome Marcus Edmonds. Marcus. There you go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Thank there you. There we go. Hi, my name is Marcus Evans. Uh, I'm a lifelong resident here. Um, I am a gay resident that lives in San Francisco and I'm black. And this is a reparation uh, committee for the uh, black community. And there tends to not be very much outreach into the gay black community. Um, a lot of the events happen in churches, which is a uh, off-putting thing for a lot of people in my community. I personally can go into a church, but a lot of people can't. So when you guys do your outreach, you guys should think about the Fillmore Center or places in which um, people are more welcome. And I don't mean that in any way against the church because I have no problem going there, but I know so many people that that's just a barrier to entry. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. And now we would like to try um, Reverend Tony Pierce once again. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, yay. Thank you. Listen, I want to thank everybody because you're really doing a great job. I know the pressure you're under, but you're really doing a great job. And I really want to thank you. And to my brother in the cloth, Amos Brown, I know him well. God bless you and God bless you all. I'm Reverend Tony Pierce. I'm CEO of Black Wall Street Project. I think you've probably heard of us. We fight for economic power, equality, and justice for all. I heard some people say they'd like to get some help. Well, we're a national, global, actually, organization. Black Wall Street Project, and we have millions of followers. I, too, have millions of followers. I'm viral. Reverend Tony Pierce, Google me. I'll give you our phone number in a second. So I'm in town to speak tomorrow. Hopefully, we will be able to work that out. I sent a letter to... Uh, Daniel and to Tanisha. Let's see. But uh, our telephone number is 424-274-2049. 424-274-2049. We have offices all over the world and we're here to help and we will be there tomorrow. Now, let me say this real quick. I'd like the people to please stop picking on African-Americans. We pay taxes too. And in fact, in the city, most of your taxes come from sales taxes. And African-Americans spend more money than anybody in this country. So we pay more sales taxes than anybody else. Visitors to the city and everything else. I would also, number two, like you to do something about property that's just sitting there, like the Heritage Foundation. Ken Johnson should be speaking. He's also a member of Black Wall Street. Ted Frazier, Bishop Ted Frazier. So listen, you have property sitting there that you can just give to us now 
Thank you, Reverend Pierce. Your Your two minutes has expired. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person or remotely who would like to participate in public comment on this item? If you're attending remotely, please use the raise hand icon. Martha Keller. I saw Martha Keller's hand raise. Okay, we can only comment on this item one time. I do not see any new members of the public who would like to part. Oh, I see Martha Keller's hand raised again. Martha, can you unmute yourself? Yes, okay. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Martha Keller. I um, uh, saw the um, uh, information on this uh, uh, meeting and this group uh, on the bus. I just wanted to tell you how I found out about it. And uh, I'm surprised that the uh, room is not packed. But anyway, um, as uh, uh, a feminist, uh, I've been watching women accept crumbs for the last you know, 50 years. And so my you know, suggestion to you is never to compromise your ideals and please don't follow what women have been doing. And uh, we've been accepting crumbs and that's what you'll get offered. So please, uh, I see all of your you know, points and you know, hear all of your speakers. You're doing a wonderful job. The public that is there is truly, uh, engaged and I'm very, you know, uh, hopeful for you. And, but I just wanted to give you that little bit of advice. Do not compromise. Don't settle for crumbs. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, I do see a Dr. Carolyn Scott name with a hand raised. Uh, we do have four people logged in under that name. So could, could, the Dr. Scott, whose hand is raised, please unmute yourself. Okay, I'm going to move on to Linda Parker Pennington. Thank you so much. Um, uh, just, I will be there tomorrow in person and I'm looking forward to that. I just wanted to weigh in uh, to say um, how impressed I am with all of the work that the Iraq has done and, um, you know, individually and collectively. And I think it's a great set of recommendations. Two things I want to say, I, I'm really sorry that both dream keepers and reparations are on the um, Board of Supervisors meeting tomorrow because I think it does continue to create confusion between those two. And uh, I think having been involved with both Dream Keepers uh, for quite a while and the reparations following the reparations, I understand the differences, but I'm sure most people don't and they conflate them and then it becomes an issue and, you know, putting both of them together is uh, was I don't know, some kind of a move that was made, which I, I would have objected to <laughs> earlier on in the process, but it is what it is right now. Um, but I do think it would be helpful if there were better talking points and sound bites as to what is Dreamkeepers uh, versus what are reparations for. 
um, just so that the public can know and those of us involved can help you communicate this um, clearly. Um, and then the other theme that I've been hearing tonight on all the fascinating uh, comments um, are is really about the outreach and how difficult it is to get the word out to our people. Um, although somehow someone in Gambia found out about it who has a certificate of preference. So it does get out, but I think you need to use us as your army, those of us who are involved, you know, in Mega Black with Dream Keepers, and then those of us working on the various committees um, of the reparations task force. So um, anyway, I will do my part and I will see you tomorrow. Thank you for all of your service and all of your great work. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Diane Poole. Hi. Hello. We have to um, talk about um, nursing homes for seniors. Um, we go to everyone else. There's a lot of people um, 60 and over and the need um, is great. So we have to uh, put that into discussion. Thank you. Thank you. I see two Dr. Carolyn Scott hands raised for public comment. Can one of you unmute yourself? Okay, this is, uh, yeah, I understand why you're having that problem. This is Chester Williams. Um, I was referred to by uh, Mr. Oscar James. So we're kind of all working off his link. That's why you're having a problem. Uh, my concern is twofold. Uh, one is the very problems that you're having is what I've been preaching to the community for the last 20 years. And that is people, people, we've got to move ourselves into the level of technology. We've got to learn this because this is where the world is going. I saw it 20 years ago. I see where it's going now. So you know what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about how do we get our kids, young people with through workforce development, our seniors, how do we educate our communities using some of this money? I've been preaching this for 20 or 30 years. I'm gonna tell y'all, I'm doing great, okay? There are a lot of us out here that are doing really good with this. And we're trying to get this to our people to understand this is what you need to do. We need to wake up with this and get it to another level. Now, I will come in tomorrow and make a direct statement to you. I think a lot of people are a little bit upset because they didn't know about this. And I, I agree with them that the place should be packed because it's affecting us. But I'm hoping that the decisions that you've made so far, which have been actually fantastic, will be something that you can expand on, you can put into a tight package and allow that to go into the next statement. The only program that I agree with that I've had a chance to read has been the Fillmore Heritage Center. Uh, I'm very familiar with that. I totally agree that that can be a fantastic area to begin something in the Western Edition. And also I'm trying to expand another area uh, with the new uh, community center in the Bayview, where we can also start the same program. So let's make sure that technology is a part of the game. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Madeline Howie. 
Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Madeline Howie, and uh, I am a transplant here to San Francisco. However, my family's been in the city uh, since the early 50s. Um, everything that is currently in the proposal is fantastic. Thank you all so much for the work that you are doing uh, on the reparations here. Um, it sounded like even within this meeting, there was a lot of uh, creative sourcing that could happen, creative problem solving that could happen when we're talking about tech technology and youth and getting the word out. And so I wonder if, uh, if it's that, the, the kids are on TikTok, the kids are on the social medias and shares and who has reaches. And while, you know, this is a, a fairly superficial uh, element to a certain degree, it is the way so much is information is provided these days and to particular generations. Uh, and that's all I have to say today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Thank you. I see one other hand raised using Dr. Scott's login. Can you unmute yourself, please? Thank you, Kathy. Uh, it's Dr. Monique Lassar, Executive Director at Rafiki Coalition for Health and Wellness. I just really wanted to say thank you, uh, committee. You have been tremendous, phenomenal, and thoughtful, and heartfelt, and compassionate. Go team. You all are amazing. I wanted to also add an idea about um, nothing about money, uh, just specifically about Truth and Reconciliation Commission. In sitting and listening to all of these folks, these incredible stories, I can't help but be moved to tears, to anger, uh, and to inspiration. And I want to give um, people opportunity. I think we should give people opportunity to tell their stories. So that should be a commission at City Hall and people from DPH and from UCSF and all the big businesses and, and the city government should have to listen to what folks have gone through um, under anti-Black racism and structural racism. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you and offer this idea and say um, phenomenal job committee. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mo. Now, um, I do see someone listed who is already participated in public comment on this item. So are there any other members of the public who would like to participate in public comment? Okay, Chair. I, oh, there is a person here who is here in person who would like to participate in public comment. Welcome. Hi. My name is Dennis Bishop. Uh, to piggyback on a current uh, comment about uh, basically uh, stepping into technology, right? Like we sit in the uh, innovation seat of the world, one of the innovation seats of the world. And so um, one of the ways, so historically our, uh, the banking solutions haven't been in our favor, right? It's like legacy banking solutions. So as far as like one of my, one of the ideas I was thinking of was using, um, uh, FinTech or, um, maybe some blockchain based solutions in order to add security, transparency, uh, and liquidity to our, to, to whatever this, to whatever the process is going to be, instead of relying on legacy banking solutions that, uh, historically haven't served us. 
another way to get the youth involved is uh, through that avenue, right? Um, and, and get our youth uh, involved in technology because currently um, when we talk about technology and finance, we are heavily um, underrepresented. So it's a multi-pronged approach uh, to the problem. And, and I think it, it could help a lot. So that's my comment. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the pub public either attending in person or attending remotely who would like to participate in public comment on this item? Welcome, Ms. Jordan. Hello, good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to um, thank the committee for the work that they've put together for over what, two years now? And the recommendations that they're making to the city for reparations. It is definitely each area that has been covered and addressed are areas that have affected African-Americans in the city, of, city and county of San Francisco for decades. So I want to thank you for uh, your hard work, your diligent thoughts, your consideration of the different areas um, that need to be addressed. And I just want to say touche and thank you. Uh, I will do my best to be there in person tomorrow. No guarantees, but I might have to call in. But thank you for your hard work. Thank you, Ms. Jordan. Now I'd like to welcome Leilani. I was thank you all for your work. Um, I read through the report and it's very detailed, um, especially regarding housing and purchasing home and renting in San Francisco. It was a well thought out um, report. I just wanted to mention if a lot of people don't come tomorrow, it's because it's a large storm coming and this is being recorded. And I know a lot of people want to be involved, but whether work or storm, um, just know that many of us will call in tomorrow. But overall, thank you all for your work. Thank you, Leilani. Are there any other members of the public who'd like to participate in public comment? Okay, Chair McDonald. Oh, Siobhan Wong. Welcome. Um, Siobhan Allen. And I just wanted to say thank you for all of your hard work and um, reading over the, the draft that the recommendations. Um, I am someone, you know, my father came here during World War II to the Fillmore and um, everything that's happened and the certificate of preference, um, all the um, injustices that have been done. Um, I, I just appreciate uh, all the hard work um, that, um, that you, you put into it and I will be there tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. If there are any members of the public who would like to participate, please indicate by using the raised hand icon or approach the dais. If you've already participated in public comment on this item, you cannot participate in public comment twice. Okay, Chair McDonald, I do not see any members of the public who um, would like to participate in public comment. There is a person in person who would like to participate in public comment. 
Hi, my name is Safi Priestervizi. I'm a USF intern with the SF Reparations Group. And I did have a question, not regarding how much money we're entitled to get or question, but I did have a question on how we can ensure the financial security at this time. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen in like the news lately, like the past three days, we've had some financial issues, some banking issues. Wells Fargo had a direct deposit issue. Um, Silicon Valley Bank also has some issues as well. And some have been on the brink of collapse. And I just wondered how we would ensure financial security at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public who want to participate in public comment, either in person or remotely? Okay, Chair, I think we can close public comment. Seeing none, seeing none, there you go. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Thank you all. Uh, for all of your comments. Again, we appreciate you. I just want to note that uh, um, since we began meeting, we've averaged around 80 um, pe people participating remotely. To tonight, we've had over 120. Um, and again, what we have is the beauty of technology um, that allows us to be both in person uh, and remotely. So we appreciate all um, both those who are here in the room with us, as well as those who are online. All right, members. So <clears throat> we have a set of new recommendations that um, need consideration, uh, as well as um, a set of current recommendations that if there are recommendations around um, modifying any of those for consider are open for consideration as well. So what I'd like to have us do is to take the new recommendations that have been identified under each of the committees uh, to have those go to committees for review and have committees bring them back to us um, so that we can focus tonight on um, eligibility and if there are any current recommendations that members would like to, to visit. Go ahead, Vice Chair Hollins. Thank you, thank you Chair McDonald. I'd like to motion that um, these recommendations be sourced out to each of the committees for review. Um, and then we can uh, add them to our agenda in the month of April for adoption. Seconded by Member Cunningham. All right, would you, uh, roll call vote, please. Thank you. Um, I will announce the members of the African American Reparations Subcommittee, or sorry, Advisory Committee, and they will announce if they are supporting moving these forward to subcommittees. James Lance Taylor. Yes, yes. Tanish Hollins. Aye. Eric McDonald. Aye. Reverend Dr. Amos Brown. Rico Hamilton? Aye. Nicole Cunningham? Aye. Gloria Berry? Aye. Daniel Landry? Aye. Tiffany Carter? Gwendolyn Brown? Anita Ekenem? Yes. Star Williams? Aye. Aye. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Shaquille Kane. Leticia Irving. The uh, motion has carried. These recommendations can move forward. I do know that Member Williams wanted to make a comment, and Member Williams is attending remotely. 
uh, the only comment I wanted to like a recommendation for one of the policies under yeah one of the recommendations is like addressing criminalization for youth because we see that in the media that when um, black kids go into stores they're most likely criminalized and followed around by security. I know two years ago I was kicked out of the Target downtown because they thought I looked suspicious because I had sweatpants on and a hoodie. And I feel like it should be addressed because it's a big problem in San Francisco. Thank you, Member. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Member Carter, please. I was actually um, myself, but it shows Member Carter when I request to speak. Lines got crossed, like Dr. Scott. Okay. Go. Yes. So, please, Member Barry. Chair, to make it clear, you wanted to know if there's anything we wanted to um, emphasize that's already a recommendation and add to that. Thank you for the question. Not, not, not um, to emphasize. So, what we are going to be doing between now and the May meeting before we have to finalize everything is doing one of two things. We'll either be adding new recommendations or we'll be making some modifications to existing recommendations. Tonight, I want us to focus on the um, eligibility, the new eligibility that came um, from community. So we're gonna go back to that slide shortly. So John, if you could get that slide ready, that would be great. And yes, inviting if there are existing or current recommendations that were in the draft, if there are recommendations around modifications of any of those, we can entertain that tonight. Thank you. Okay. Um, Member Carter? No? Okay. Your name is still up here. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Member Landry, please. I guess you somewhat answered uh, what I was thinking uh, in terms of the timeline of, of the recommendations, final recommendations. Uh, are we talking about the next general meeting that we need to submit from the committee level what we propose to the full body are of the new recommendations. So we reviewed a report a little earlier of the new recommendations that came. Each of them fall into one of the four committee categories. So I'm asking, we're asking each of the committees to review those and then come back, yes, to the April meeting with recommendations related to those. So if we have additional recommendations, Yes. What's the timeline? That's the same timeline. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to the eligibility. Thank you, John. All right. So here are the new eligibility requirement recommendations that have come from community. And so let's take them one by one. And what I'll ask you to do is if the, if it is a recommendation that you would, for lack of a better term, endorse, I'd invite you to make a motion. Absent a motion, then we will um, move forward to the next recommendation, okay? So the first one is cash reparations should also be paid to those native San Franciscans forced from the city by gentrification and ongoing racism. Yeah, you're still still getting, I'm sorry, hold on one second, because we're still getting crossed wires. Member Barry is pushing and Member Carter's coming up on my screen. So go ahead, Member Barry. Yes, I'm definitely on board with that. I, however, wanted to be clear that the dates also apply. So if someone was pushed out today, would it conflict with the dates that we set 
on when they lived in San Francisco. So in some ways you're recommending a, a, a modification to this. Okay. Yes. So let me ask you to, even at your place, determine what the language is for that. And then let's come back to it. For that first bullet point, the cash reparation should be also be payable to those native San Franciscans forced from the city by gentrification, ongoing racism during the years that we established in the initial eligibility requirements. Okay. Is there any discussion? And is that a motion? That is a motion. Awesome. Is there a second? Discussion? Thank you for that discussion. Member Ekonim. Hey, thank you. Discussion question, right? So I'm not clear on the actual time frame. So, and because part of our recommendation was people had to sort of, I think, live here for 13 years, right? And so I think taking this into account, taking foster care like into account, we need to sort of say, is that going to be 13 years cumulative? Is it going to be 13 years like as a block? We just got to get clear like on that to allow for, you know, um, some of this to happen. And I also just want to make sure that people are tied to San Francisco. So meaning the way that it's now, you could be 18 years or old, uh, 18 years and over. Um, there, uh, there are two basic ones at the top. And then you, you get to choose three more. You can literally do those first two and potentially not even live in San Francisco, which I think is, is not currently live in San Francisco or haven't lived here for quite a long time. So I think there's a whole thing around how long we've been in San Francisco and the connection to San Francisco that we also have to talk about in relation to, to that. Thank you. Other comments? Member Irving. Can you hear me? Does this thing work? Yes. Okay. Um, can you repeat your motion? Hold, hold on. Let her turn it on. Okay, go. My motion was to amend the first bullet point that those who were forced from the city by gentrification and ongoing racism meet the requirements of the dates of when our first eligibility requirements were established. So my only concern about, so thank you. My only concern about this um, eligibility requirement is how do you how do you prove ongoing racism? I think we all have experienced that, but how are you going to prove it? What documentation? Because anybody can say that. Um, and so I just maybe want to reword that a little bit. I don't want to ask people to, you know, if they didn't document or go and file a lawsuit or a court or something because they had some <clears throat> some uh, an racist um, offense. I don't know the word for it. Um, I just I don't think that that's fair. And so I just want us to really rethink that one before we include it. So let me go to member back to member Barry before I come to you, member Cunningham. I'd like to amend that to ongoing racist policy, San Francisco policy. Like uh, affordable housing isn't affordable to our 
um, to everyone. Um, different evictions, different uh, redevelopment, urban renewal, Hope 6, Hope SF, those type of programs that either intentionally or inadvertently push us out the most. But how do you prove it? Yeah. Me and this mic. How do we, um, I don't want to leave something out, but I do think, I love the way you just broke that down, like all of the different redevelopment and the housing, but I don't want to, I mean, we can start listing if it's a part of that so folks can see where they fit in. Um, but then we would run the risk of missing something and all racist policy. And so I'm not sure how, descri how descriptive we want to be, but I actually think we're going to have to put in some qualifiers. You're not next though. Hold on one second. Let me just get you in the queue. Uh, let's go, Member Cunningham. I was actually going to suggest that we take out ongoing racism because if you take that particular piece out, we can you can actually see who had to leave due to gentrification. So that's my two cents is to add your point, but to remove the piece of and ongoing racism. Thanks. Thank you. Reverend Brown. Thank you, Mr. Chair. There you go. I put you on. You good? I appreciate the comment regarding it being ticket to include this ongoing racism, and I also would like to share my concern that we got to be exact and define the scene of the crime. We can't be all over the universe and be effective. So if we are trying to bring back people who have been wronged, that's what you got to nail down. This is, this is like being in a court of law. You got to show the evidence. And we ought to be particular about how we would shop in this thing, dealing with the evidence of people who were pushed out of the city. Or else you're going to get in a slippery slope that we will not be able to get any traction. And we want traction that we will be able to restore that which is broken. That's very important. How can we add to that sentence? We're on the first one. What do you think we can do? It should be the language of documented persons who have been pushed out of this city. Thank More you. Black. Thank you, Reverend Brown. Vice Chair Hollins. Thanks uh, to the members of the committee. I'm wondering if it's possible for us to have a side-by-side -side of our current eligibility recommendations so that if there's language that we need to infuse or um, just make it visible so that we're not having to refer to paper or whatever, also for the members of the public. We, inside of your binders, there actually is a, um, under the item, there is a, um, document like that and I can pull up that document it's a little hard for members of the public to read but um it is inside your binder I'll pull that up now on my computer it should be in item number three 
under item number three in the binders? There was a slide from a recent presentation where the eligibility requirements as well. So I can look through my docs and send that. I, I think okay. HRC staff may also have that. Yeah, it's not side by side in the. Oh, it's not side by side. Okay. Well, then what I'll do is I will ask staff to create something that is side by side. Okay, so let me suggest this then. Let's come back to that one once we have that slide so that we can have a um, the appropriate and informed conversation. So let's keep moving down. The recommendations, the second one. Um, when one discusses reparations, we must consider a number of factors. One factor that must be addressed is the Union Army soldiers who fought for their own freedoms. I mean, I'm open to committee members thoughts about this, but while I certainly see it as important, I don't know that it shapes as a recommendation. But as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm open to. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is good and confusing. So Carter and Taylor, and it's actually Barry and Carter. Okay. Um, let me see who I am. Oh, sorry. you're Barry. Barry. Okay. All right. So let's go um, member Barry and then member Carter. As far as um, in the harm of this maybe history portion of our report, I can see soldiers, period, you know, being added to harm that veterans receive and people that served and the, the argument that we did help build this country. And then I'm sure we can find plenty of data how Black veterans are probably the disparity in housing and treatment and whatnot. Me being a veteran myself, I can attest to that. So I could see how that could be incorporated, but not this particular verbiage, but maybe just some more added harm that Black veterans not receiving GI Bill benefits. Um, the Veterans Hospital is a hot mess. You know, the way we're treated and stereotyped, all of that is a Black San Francisco thing, even though as veterans is federal, you know, services, we do experience a lot of homeless veterans and should be prioritized, I think, when it comes to housing. So so what I'm hearing, I don't want to put words in my mouth, but this is this is an appropriate statement for the history. Okay. Thank you. Member Carter. Um, I'm just looking because I know I had we had added um, from the previous eligibility for the unified school district to be expanded to include private schools also, and I'm not seeing that here. So, so this this is what came from community. Oh, from so, community. Right. This is not from this, us. That's oh, correct. Okay, got it. That's correct. Okay. Is there anyone again members, or is there general agreement that this second one, if it belongs anywhere, it belongs in history, not as a recommendation? Okay. Let's keep moving. Yes, ma'am. I just want to confirm um, that you said uh, not just Army, but um, military. Military. Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. So can I make a motion? Um, to have that go into the history? No. Okay. We can, we can add to the his history. Can, can, I, can I just add one thing? Um, if you go back and study the history of 
I'm just messing with you. Go. Oh, if you go back and study the history of reparations, the, the U.S. Army in world, in the Civil War is the basis of the original uh, um, uh, law case called Johnson versus McAdoo. That's the case that went to the Supreme Court when Callie House sued in Tennessee. Um, the, the, the way she sued was to use the United States Army's existing pension fund uh, for the soldiers. And they taxed the Confederate cotton for about 25 years. And that turned out to be worth $65 million. Instead of the government giving it to the Black people who picked the cotton, they gave it to the white, the white uh, Union soldiers. So Callie House said, if you're taxing, so the key is they, would, they taxed the cotton that the Confederates had picked, that Blacks picked under Confederates, and they took it and gave it to the Union soldiers, and Callie House said, no, that's our money. So Callie House sued for $65 million at the U.S. Treasury, but she did it based on a Union soldier pension fund, so she used the system to sue the system. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Member Barry. So we have a motion on the floor for the first item, and then this is a motion for the second item that we move that to the harm listed in oh. our report. Yes, but let's hold. Let's hold. If I can ask, ask us to hold on that. Do we have the comparison ready yet? Can you turn on your microphone? Hi, Chair. Um, our staff said they're not able to run the meeting and also create it. Um, and also it. it's a lot of data to put side by side Got for it. the screen. Okay. Um, so if you would like us, if you would like, we could pull up the eligibility that's currently in the draft report. If you want yes. to look at that on Perfect. the big screen. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm pulling it up now. Thank you. I, yeah, I, um, what page is it on, Brent? Page 30. Okay, I tried to go to page 30 and pulled up something else. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I have too many windows that are popping open on my screen. Okay, can you see that? I can see the top of it, yes. Um, yeah, it's just too big for the screen. Stay, stay there for just a moment. So members, if we can go back to the first one, again, that was the one around cash. And so the question, and maybe let me start with member Barry, since she was the author uh, of the motion. 
in considering what is already here, would you modify or how would you modify the cash reparations? And the question I would just insert is how does this cash reparation, sorry, said differently, is this re recommendation or this eligibility requirement only about the cash reparations or all the re reparations? I think those are two different discussions that we haven't had yet on, like, for example, the reparations in education. We want these type of programs done for our youth, but the youth might not have lived here between 1940 and 1996. So they might fall under our plan on receiving health care, um, tutors, a black school, whatnot, but then they might not be here for, have been here for the years to benefit from the cash amount. So that's a discussion us as a body have not discussed. However, on my first motion, I would like to um, listen to a member Cunningham. I get that. But then I think the way member Brown um, doubled down on how we need to be specific, I think that's important to not sell a wide group of people a dream and then realize at a later date, no, we do want to keep it between 1940 and 1996 and have a whole lot of people upset or disappointed. Therefore? Therefore, I want my motion to stand. Can you say it one more time for us, please? I would need the other screen. I, I would need those. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Can we go back to the other screen? Yeah, she's, she's going now. Thank you. One moment, please. See, so we need the work double screens. Where we have. So the motion would have the first item read, cash reparations should also be payable to those native San Franciscans forced from the city by gentrification and ongoing racist, racist, oh, she's typing that, <laughs> racist San Francisco government policies, example, affordable housing, redevelopment, eviction, Hope SF, um, the false narrative that affordable housing will help us and also meet the requirements that this harm happened between 1940 and 1996. Thank you. And then if we want to amend it at before June 1st, after further discussion, that's still possible, but to not. No, appreciate yeah, that. Thank yep, you. thank you. Member Cunningham. I think I'm a little confused. So we have 1940 date to 1996, but people have been pushed out in the 2000s. So I feel like if we cut it off at 1996, those who have been pushed out in 99 and 2004, you know, then they're not benefit. Am I missing something? I don't think so. Okay, so I'm I'm concerned about folks who've been pushed out after 1996, and um, how can we address that? How can we address it? Because we can actually say they've been moved out due to gentrification. So I want them to be in the count. 
Thank you. Other comments or questions? That's you good. Yeah, I, I, me uh, also. I'm just trying to figure out the '96. Um, we know that um, actually the displacement of um, have um, actually since 1996 have increased based on the depopulation. That was the point that Member oh, Cunningham just yeah. made. Thank you. Yeah, you you agree. Other comments or questions about this motion? Yes, I'd like to. Hold, hold oh, on. Go ahead. Member Brown. Is it limiting to keep it to racist San Francisco government policies? Your proposal would be what? Racist policies. Because the reason why I say that is because I'm thinking about redlining in particular. Redlining isn't necessarily a um, government policy, but it is an institutional policies that uh, robbed a lot of generational wealth from the black community, especially in San Francisco. Okay, so here's what I'd ask, uh, appreciating all the comments. As you make your comments, if there are ways you would tweak or modify, right, let's offer that as well, and then we can, again, make, make a decision. Um, I'm going to go Reverend Brown. Okay, thank you. Um, and we got member Brown already. And then I have somebody again, because <laughs> it says Carter and it's not Carter. Thank you, Chair. I would just like to remind this body that we voted yes on the 1940 to 1996 dates. And if that's something that we need to revisit, then we can do that. Well, again, something to keep in mind as well is each of the criteria have different windows. So we can assign whatever window we choose to this one. Agree. Now I see member Barry, but it's not member. Okay. Had language like adverse housing and adverse housing, adverse housing and tenant policies for gentrification. So I would take the word gentrification out. Um, just because it's it's a, it's a term that means a lot of a lot and it means nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think if you say adverse housing and tenant policies with a word or two that somebody else might think needs to be there, but at least include those adverse housing and tenant policies instead of gentrification, which is closer to I think what Tiffany is suggesting. That's simple. Member Carter. Did we add the term redlining in here? Yeah. I think we should be very specific in what policies. And it policies, yeah. Thank you. Any other questions or comments before we? I just wanted to add that with redlining, San Francisco provided the maps to the banks to do that to mm. us. Thank you. Vice Chair Hollins. Um, I would like to recommend that we, uh, to, to uh, Dr. Brown's point, add some language into this about documentation. 
Um, so maybe cash reparations should also be payable to those San Francisco native San Franciscans forced from the city by adverse policies, gentrification, and ongoing racist policies. Okay, that's a lot of words, but that we add in here the word documented. Right. So what I would what I would say to that. Um, and I'll come back to you, Reverend Brown, in just a moment, is all of these require documentation. So if the idea is to add documented either at the top as an overarching, um, I, I think that would be... That's sufficient. Yeah. yeah. Su su sufficient. As long as it's clear that it has to be documented displacement. Right. Right. So right. that someone was... Let's example someone was um, evicted, right? Due to a policy around the housing <laughs> that has already been proven to be um, specifically to displace African-Americans. Okay. Reverend Brown. Uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the task force, I have a question and may appear to be a crazy question, but I'll ask it anyhow. How many of us have really polled members of the Board of Supervisors to find out if they actually are committed to paying cash reparations? How many of us really polled them, looked them eye to eye as I have, and asked them, put them on the spot, will you support? Cash reparations. And if the answer is no, how are you going to make them do it? What political clout do we have to make them vote? That's a basic for me personally. I'm just speaking for Amos Brown. One thing that we got to wrestle with. And then, Mr. Chairman, have we looked at where is it that our people are itching and really need to be scratched? The people, not individuals, but the people. What's basic, fundamental? And for me, I say it again and again. There's an old timer who's seen a whole lot come and go. We need basically health. We are the sickest people in this town. Hmm. Our life expectancy is seven years less than the majority culture. So it becomes a mute question of whether or not you're going to get some money or be able to spend their money. Looks like to me that's something that, that can be quantified. A specific health services for black folk will be at top of the list. Secondly, education. You can't maintain an enlightened, safe society where you have mass. Ignorance. 
That's what feeds dictators, czars, fascists. You check it out in this school district. Who's doing the worst academically? Black children. And it was through public practices and policies that we have been getting inferior educational opportunities. That was the responsibility of the school district and the city. They didn't do it. So it looks like to me, we ought to be saying to them, school board, city and county of San Francisco, you're going to pay for compensatory programs for our children so that they will learn and become critical thinkers for themselves. The other area is economic empowerment. Not just jobs, but getting contracts from the private and public sector. But you look right now, right now, even on the street where I live, with all of this infrastructure work that's being done in this city, you don't find one black face mm. who's making all that big money, mm. operating that equipment. They'll be pushing for a reparation program to ensure that there's some teeth. Talking about all this compliance work. What kind of compliance work are we doing right now with the mechanism, the system that we have? that we can hold uh, contractors accountable. Then another area is housing. Why are we not getting fair housing? We got hood, got a housing apartment in the city. We're not getting it because of that crazy, unfair lottery system. Mm. We don't have the numbers, so we are out of the game. And the other persons, who come from afar, got cousins and kissing kin, whenever that list is opened up at any of these de developments, they come by the legions. And that's what's keeping us out. And right now, in many of these developments, there were 236 developments that were developed 40 years ago, supposed for us to have fair housing. Now I can call the names of the developments. One, I'm going to be respectful, 355 units built by the blood and sweat and tears of Black folk. But you have only about 45 Blacks living there? That's where we ought to be getting reparations to and say, we want our people to come into this city and 40% <clears throat> in every one of these developments will go to Black folk. You're getting somewhere. You're making it definite. And then other thing, and I, I won't say any more, we need to have our place, our watering hole, that we will not become an invisible people. Steinbeck says, I tried to count and remember how many people I just looked at but didn't see looked at and just didn't see. In this city, they just looked at us black folk, but they're not seeing us enough that we were even able to maintain 
the Fillmore and the Harlem of the West. And we need to get back to the point of saying whatever's left of that Fillmore, which represents our history, our sacred spaces. But if you don't do that, you're forcing us as a people to experience what I call cultural and historical amnesia and Alzheimer's. And it should be that our children, our children's children, will be able to come by and see the spot where that man called him be Goodland. That the address of the city hall is. His office was right there on that spot. Maya Angelou sold records right there on that spot. The Black Panthers gave out food and books right there on that spot. And I just end by saying, friends, I'm begging you that for the sake of our being in the rainbow and our history not being wiped out, we ought to with pit bull all the bite and determination. Say that whatever's left there in that Fillmore, where there's property and real estate, is you go to integritous, competent, savvy black folks. That's reparations. There's not all of it, but I want to say we got to be strategic and smart and think of what is doable, what is achievable. And at the end of the day, as a dream team, we'd be to look back and say, look what we did. But if we don't approach it that way, the enemy is going to do everything to destroy all of this great thinking and planning that we have done. So I rest that, man. I'm, I'm pleading, let's, let's get some traction and not get caught up that alley. And they've been doing it all over this country. And they don't have that much of a moral compass to give us anything. <clears throat> so the question is, how are we going to deliver with a political structure what we know has been and still is against us because of this thing called ethnic visibility, our blackness? Meeting adjourned. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend Brown. Um, okay, so we have, I mean, if we can go back to the screen, please. We have uh, a motion on the floor. Um, <clears throat> is that Carter, you? I would like, Kathy. <laughs> Thank you so much to Human Rights Commission for um, supporting us. But I'd like to amend to down where it says oh, that affordable housing will help us to change that to affordable housing will trickle down to us because it's trickle down economics that basically will not work. But and also add in um, what I got a lot from what Pastor Brown just said about the lottery. So another comma. <laughs> in lottery. That this harm, I mean, that affordable housing and the lottery will trickle down to us. 
Is that you, Member Carter? Yes. Okay, please. So I don't, um, I think we should think about another word um, other than trickle down. I'm not sure what that word is, but I think we should think about that a little more. Okay. So um, let me, since those are, there's a big word for this that I can't think of, parenthetical thoughts. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, let me suggest that we get the core of it. Those are supporting statements, but they aren't the statement, right? No, I'm not saying don't do that, but let's vote on the core of it, and then we can work on the supporting kind of representation, okay? Um, I just have one um, recommendation on this. I still feel like it it narrows the rewarding of this to cash, and it seems to me we want all the benefits of reparations mm. to go to these communities, this com affected group of people. So I would recommend taking off cash and just say rep reparations. Reparations, yes, should be payable, also be payable to San Francisco. I accept your amendment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any other discussion on this? Please say no. Oh, sorry, did I come off? Yes, please. Is it? Yeah. Okay, thank you. New technology for us too. So with this recommendation, like where on the list would it sit if it goes through? These are eligibility. So it becomes another eligibility criteria that someone could choose as. In addition to the two up top. That's correct. Okay. Thank That's you. correct. Okay. Any other questions? All right. It's been moved and seconded with these. Um, changes. Um, can I just go all in favor or do we need to go roll call? You can act, you can call in favor. We're in person okay. now. Excellent. All right. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Seeing none. Motion carries. Excellent. That was one. Right. We're going to roll now. All right. Um, so let's go. The second one. Um, again, the the motion is to add it to the history section of the report. Is there a second? And we will make it military broader than just um, the Union Army, correct? Okay, excellent. There's a second. Uh, all in favor? Any opposed? Excellent, that's the second one. Chair, can you announce in the public record who first and seconded for me, please? Sure. Um, it was motioned by Member Barry, seconded by Member Cunningham. Thank you. All right, going to the next one. Um, needs to be a distinction between African Americans and immigrants slash descendants of immigrants. These payments need to go directly to African Americans. Can we put the other one back on the screen because I think it specified black people. Yes, we do. So, so the the very first requirement is an individual who has identified as black African American on public documents for at least ten years. So I I believe that speaks to this and covers it. Okay, moving to the oh sorry, remember Landry? 
I know we don't like resurrecting the language of Negro, but uh, someone did bring to my attention that you may have individuals who came here from the South that uh, birth certificates that actually says Negro on there. So I don't, or something else. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember us having a discussion on the word Negro and how would that fit into this? If you got like, um, I mean, I can transparency. My mother's uh, birth certificate said Negro. It didn't say uh, African-American. It didn't say black. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've been meaning to bring attention to the, uh, the task force. Was Negro Can you make through the chair? Can you make that a motion? Member Landry. Man, this stuff is <laughs> yes. Uh, I make a motion to add uh, Negro to where we at? Right here. It's here. It's actually not on the screen. Oh, it's not on the screen. It's, it's in the. Sorry, what I'm holding up is the report and the eligibility requirements, and the very first one reads. An individual who is identified as Black African American. Oh, okay. This this um, motion <laughs> would be to add Negro, so they would read Black African American Negro or Negro Black African American, but it would be added to that. Right. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Is there a second? There's a. Oh, there are lots of questions. Okay, let's go. Member Carter on the screen, who is Member Barry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we should. I mean, I'm not sure what we were referred to in 1940. And we should look at that before we. Yeah, but we should be for sure. As it was such. colored in Negro. Yeah. It was colored in Negro. All synonyms. Negro colored We got to add it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they want to but that wouldn't be on a public document. 1940? Yeah, but that's not how we self-identify, so that, that's how they... That ain't us. Some folks have. I'm sorry. If that's a documentation that some folks have and had that word on it. Point so, of information. My military records say Negroid. Therefore what? Therefore, I, I would use that qualification for how I'm eligible. It's not going to say black in my military records. It says Negroid. All right. So we have several representations of how we were described. Yeah. That in and of itself is a problem, but <laughs> we need to think. Um, so, so the point is, if I could summarize, is to be inclusive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so let me suggest we hold this one. Yeah, let's hold. Let's go do some research and make sure that this statement is as inclusive as we feel comfortable making it. Does that work? Yes. Okay. Thank you. No, because that's not one of these. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we have, ex no, we haven't exhausted. There's one more. Table Daniel's motion. Well, that's with that one. Yep. All right. So we have, the last one is uh, the 13 year residency requirement should include those coming out of foster care system. The foster care Sorry, the former foster youth. Stop typing, Kathy. It, it, <laughs> it moved. It moved the screen no, on. Can you scroll up? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the thirteen-year residency requirement should include those coming out of foster care, those foster, former foster youth who lived in San Francisco for thirteen plus years, 
but had to leave due to gentrification, chronic homelessness, college, et cetera, but have since been able to return to San Francisco. So it seems to me we already have the 13-year requirement. This is speaks to including foster care youth in the same way earlier we were talking about including those affected by gentrification called by other names. So it doesn't seem, I don't know that we need to add a, anything about a 13-year residency as much as we need to speak to the foster care if we're going to adopt this one. Yes, sir. My question from before like, was one of those things where if you're in the foster care system, let's say that you had to move out, but you're in the foster care system for three or five years here in San Francisco, you had to move out. Does that mean if it's a 13-year requirement that you're not going to be able to qualify for this? Good question. So let's ponder that. Sorry, let me work, scroll through. Um, I have Barry, but I don't know who that is. I think that's me. And okay. Simply, it's kind of what you're related to what you're talking about, but it's more about, I think, the previous point. I'm thinking more about like African American descendant. I don't want to get into a bunch of scenarios, but imagine a, a, a Black family. Like, we're not talking about families um, or individuals in terms of the, 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 pro the program. Um, but imagine if there's a Black American family married to an African family. Um, and then how would you, you know, in other words, 40 acres in the mule was actually 10 acres per family member. That's how it actually was originally conceived of. It was not 40 acres for everybody Black. It was 40 acres per Black family. So what I'm thinking about is if there's a, a Black American married to a West Indian or, or an African American, uh, African, you know, that creates a scenario where one may be eligible in the family, and that's fine, I'm sure, for the whole family. Um, but I think we should be, you know, a, a, a considerate of that. And I think we should also, and Reverend Brown, maybe you can help with this. How do we line up with our eligibility, with the state's eligibility? And should we be trying to line up identical or should we have our own standard? So just, I want to stay on, on, on topic okay. just for a moment, but, okay. I, but yes, absolutely. Let's come back to that, that question. So we're still on, again, this 13-year residency for foster youth. Let's go to member Cunningham. So as a social worker in adoptions right now, and I've been an eligibility worker for foster care, I recommend removing the 13 years uh, completely out. And I feel that any child that has entered the foster care system, even for a month, because that month can ha can ha may have been, well, not may have, most likely was traumatic. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, as I shared in a meeting on Monday or Friday, um, there are, from the time the child is usually removed, there's at least five social workers who've dealt with that child and moved that child around. The child has a history of at least five different placements, which could be in San Francisco or not south or or outside. And then we know that the child being removed from the family is not the child's issue. So I would like to make a motion or bring it up for discussion that we remove the timeline at all because we're talking about children who have been removed and a lot of the, some information we got from uh, a current resident who was displaced was removed at 15 and so and just got back to San Francisco and this person's in their 30s so I my recommendation being that I have been in the system or working for the system rather not in the system but working for it I highly recommend that we include all of them and uh, we now the children who are are in the system do go to age 21 now 
So they're not just pushed out at 18 with, you know, here's your luggage, where are you going? But I think that, you know, even a four-year-old being removed for two months from their family is a traumatic experience that will continue to plague them for a very long time. So I do feel we should remove the 13 years. If there is a, I don't know if it's a um, 600 or 300, I can't remember. Juvenile is like 600, I can't remember, but whatever. Whatever that documentation is for the court system where your child has been detained, and for whatever time period, the city and county of San Francisco were your parent or guardian, you should qualify. Thanks. Thank so, you. So we take oh, our third oh, oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Please hit the button. For okay. Me. All right. Get, get in the queue. Confused. Yep. Thank you. Uh, let's go, Member Brown, and then Vice Chair Hollins. One question I'm wondering, because I worked with a lot of young people in workforce that were from other counties that were pulled through the juvenile justice system and were also, so so they were considered foster care because it was an out-of-home placement. And they might've came from a different county and then came to San Francisco. My question is, are we considering folks that maybe originate in foster care in San Francisco? Or are we talking about everyone who has touched the city and county of San Francisco through foster care? So I wanna say um, specifically, thank you for that because he was just mentioning that too directly children who were in San Francisco and their documentation is in San Francisco because you can have a child who was removed in San Francisco and now the mom got her stuff together. She's in SAC and now they moved her back to SAC and her case will then go to SAC. But we're talking specifically okay. children who were moved in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Hollins. Um, I think we, so just reflecting on our eligibility criteria, um, anyone- I don't know. Hello? Yes? Thank you. Thank you. Um, reflecting our original eligibility criteria, someone must be born in San Francisco to be eligible. Um, so I think that this should, striking out the 13-year residency requirement, the requirement should be that it is an individual who was born in San Francisco and displaced through the child welfare system. And it doesn't matter what county or what timeline, if it happened between the age of zero to 18, if they were born in San Francisco and they were displaced by the mm -hmm. child welfare system, mm -hmm. they should be eligible. The other thing um, is I'm looking at this. I don't want to take us too far down, Chair McDonald, so let me know if I'm, We I know we have to take them uh, individually, but the last bullet point is also with the intention, I believe, to create an expansion so that yes. children who are in the foster or individuals who are in the San Francisco foster care system um, so the displacement is what we're trying to address. Someone who was born in San Francisco, displaced by the child welfare system, should be eligible to apply for reparations. And if they have been on public record documented as Black or African-American for 10 years. Thank you. Uh, let's go. So I think it was, yeah, that's- Member Barry. I'm Barry. Yeah, okay. I'm go Barry. Ahead. And, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add simply uh, the word foster, take out 13 year and, and use the word foster in that spot and fix the sentence to to make sense but foster you it, it said 13 what did it say before 13 13 year residency. so foster residency should be the term foster residency was so instead of 13 year residency i just put the word 14 i'm a foster in the place of 13 and then fix the rest of the sentence so foster residency unless you don't like that understood that was just a friendly amendment that's okay all. thank you uh member Who's who's Taylor? You're Taylor. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Member Irving. I actually liked um, or preferred 
a child that's been displaced by the child welfare system as opposed to foster, because I think that can have limitations as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kathy, did you get that? Excellent. Okay. So can you, um, Kathy, would you just read the language for me, please? Within the mic, please. Sorry about that. Okay. So um, do you um, want me to remove foster residency yeah, requirement correct. and replace it with youth? So start at an, an individual. You don't even have to add anything there. So start with an, an individual born in San Francisco mm -hmm. and displaced by the child welfare system should be eligible. Nice. Okay. Which addresses both that one and the one below. Okay. 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 Great. Every, everyone clear? Yes. Yep. Member Economy is not clear. And go ahead. Um, so they're in the foster care system. I don't know. They were born wherever their family moved to. Born here. So they have yeah, that's my question. So they have to actually be born here, regardless of whether they're in the foster care system in San Francisco for any period of time. I was born in San uh, let's say I Sacramento came down here at one, lived here for 10 years, got displaced, whatever else. We're we're actively just saying that's not gonna count. Okay. Individual born in San Francisco. Okay. Member, oh, now I'm on. Now I'm on. Thank you. Member Irving. Uh, the language still includes 13 years. And so if we Thank can you. just wipe that. So that, that second sentence, Kathy, can go. It's okay. So Bud have since been able to return. It's kind of not relevant. The displacement. Okay. All right. Are we clear? Member Cunningham. Uh, so, just for clarity, where this is coming from is as an eligibility worker, I had probably four on just my own caseload, four children. So, let's say we're going to say uh, my last name. I walked in, had a baby and walked out the hospital, left that baby. I had like four of those of black, most of our children black. And they would say this baby was baby boy Cunningham. And that's how that baby is labeled until they, somebody at some point gives a, a, a name to that child. So I just want to share that that happened pretty often where you had a lot of parents who are women, um, persons who are able to birth children, had children and like left them and they're now in the system. So from the minute they're detained, that child who was born in San Francisco, now, in my opinion, qualifies. They may be, you know, 14 now or out of the system. Maybe they not got, never got adopted. Um, I do want to just say, you know, the fact that they may have gotten adopted. Um, if you were ever in the system, that should count. But we have to be mindful. Names get changed. Even birthdays get changed. And you have some people who adopt children who absolutely do not let them know that they are adopted. So I just want to share that information too. But if you, if there's a court record and you know somebody, you know, you, you can get that documentation. That's something that I feel is probably the easiest thing to get um, in current times. So, and it, it happens a lot. So I, I wanted to include those babies. Thank you. Okay. So let's, let's get, Formal again, just for a moment. Member Cunningham, would you make a motion? 
with this current language? So I like to make a motion with this current language that we uh, what move forward. Yes, that we adopt <laughs> okay. this. That we adopt this, current this criteria. Language. All right, it's moving across. So yes, uh, make a motion that we adopt it. Any second? Is there a second? Second. Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So we are done with those that. Uh oh. Yeah. So we can scratch the last one. Kathy, you can take the last bullet off. Thank you. All right. So we have completed the, the eligibility recommendations. The only other thing we wanted to make room for tonight, because again, we're sending the other recommendations to committee to come back, are any, any existing recommendations. And let me just say, as you're thinking about that, we don't have to solve it all tonight. Um, I'm just saying that we can, um, but remember that we have April and May uh, for that as well. So going once, I knew it. I knew it. Yes, member Barry. I would like um, when it comes to sorry, just black city. What do you? What do you? Black city employees is the category. But is that an existing? Yes. Which which one is it? Uh, it's under economic empowerment. It will be helpful for us to find it just so that we aren't wondering what we're referring to. Give us one moment, please. I don't want to amend it so much as put on the um, into discussion that we do something in our reparations, which in our draft report is already in there, but let's come up with more solutions on holding city departments accountable when it comes to not obliging to their racial equity plan. Racial equity performance maybe evaluation is a suggestion I have to be included so that um, directors of departments are held accountable because there's no teeth in the racial equity plan. Can I ask you um, not right this moment, but to get that to economic empowerment so that they can consider that with the others? Aye, aye. Okay, excellent. Thank you. All righty. Anything else for this evening on this item? Okay, hearing none. Item number one <laughs> is, yes. is, is done. Amen. All righty. Secretary Meyer, would you please call the second item? Uh, it's actually item number four. Oh, sorry. <laughs> item number four. Um, the 2023-2025 budget advocacy. This is a discussion item. The deadline to meet with the mayor's office, we have a deadline to meet with the mayor's office by April 7th, 2023. There will be a presentation from Joseph Swice, commissioner with the San Francisco Human Rights Commission and chair of the LGBTQIA plus advisory committee. There will be public comment and committee comment on this item. Excellent. Thank you. So members, the purpose of this item is to give us uh, a window and we'll hear it from uh, Commissioner Swice um, and examples, not the only one, but an example of effective advocacy in the budgetary context, because we will be engaging in said process um, by the uh, April 7th deadline. So that is why we're here. So please, uh, let's welcome um, Human Rights Commissioner Joseph Swice to present remotely this evening. Um, and you've heard who um, 
Commissioner Swice is. Please, let's turn it over to Commissioner Swice. Thank you, Chair. Um, can you all hear me tonight? Yes, thank you. Yes, I see some nods. Um, thank you, Chair, Vice Chair, and committee members. I know what it's like as a commissioner when a meeting goes beyond eight, so I promise you I'm going to be efficient and brief. Um, thanks for the invitation today. And um, as the Secretary said, I sit on the Human Rights Commission, um, was the Vice Chair last year. And honestly, I'm honored to have a term that overlaps with this historic committee and can see all the incredible accomplishments and substantive discussions that you all are having like tonight. I was invited today to showcase how another advisory committee within the HRC, the LGBTQI plus um, advisory committee that we recently redesigned and revamped embarked on a similar budget advocacy season that you all are about to embark on. And a lot of us in community had to learn about budget advocacy after the formation of this advisory committee because one, most policy initiatives, solutions, and ideas require new funding sources. And two, as appointed officials that you all are, it really is our responsibility to continue sharing this knowledge. Knowledge is power. Um, from this advocacy um, and knowledge gained, I was able to help mobilize the Swana immigrant community in the city and help um, other CBOs and nonprofits and advocates better understand the city's complex budget advocacy process. Um, I know many of you probably are seasoned in your own right, but at least we can leave tonight all being on the same page about how to be great brand ambassadors for our community. Um, so I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I'd like to start with pre-advocacy. Um, one of the most important steps in budget advocacy is forming a coalition. As you know, lawmakers have to balance competing priorities and stakeholders. So naturally, collective asks carry more weight than individual ones. But thankfully, with all of the incredible meetings that you have all have had and the formation of both of our committees, the Queer Committee and the Reparations Committee, um, we already have powerful coalitions and collective organizing groups. So next, it's to develop your budget asks. Um, this is where, this is the reason that you all were appointed to the Reparations Committee. You're using your subject matter expertise, hosting public hearings, um, and discussing basically our wish list of goals from um, the city. When we launched the Queer Advisory Committee, we fortunately surveyed members upon their appointment, and we were able to centralize four main themes. Of course, everybody bought, brought unique perspective, but given the city's contemporary challenges, we were able to see that there were four themes, housing, health, culture, and equity, that most of the ideas could fit under. I know it's vague, but it's helpful to go beyond a wish list and then expand and refine and even line item your asks to one to three priorities if you're trying to you know, target one fiscal year budget advocacy season. So 
the queer committee engaged city departments, outside experts, um, community until we were able to have a more vetted policy tracker that we use both for the short and long term, which is, I would say, a modest version of what you all have developed from your report. Um, I'll dive a little bit into the actual advocacy process timeline now. So if there's anything to walk away from tonight, from this presentation, it's that the city's budget advocacy season essentially goes in three phases. Um, the mayoral phase, then the Board of Supervisors budget committee, and then what we call um, the ad backs, um, which some of you, if not all of you are probably familiar with. Um, but first, which I believe you all are about to embark on is engaging the mayor's office and the mayor, because the first step of the city's budget process is the mayor to formally submit a budget um, to the Board of Supervisors. So by getting the ask in early, by working with city departments, mayoral staff, and even meeting with the mayor before that budget is submitted is the first opportunity to um, secure funds for community. Ultimately, when the mayor proposes her budget, um, there will be cuts. First, it goes through an independent body that reviews the budget. This is the BLA, the Budget and Legislative um, Analyst's Office. And then, of course, the Board of Supervisors budget chair. Um, right now, I believe um, Madam Secretary, correct me if I'm wrong, is um, held by Supervisor Chan. They essentially, she works with her colleagues to um, review the mayor's budget. Um, and this is where negotiations begin about what further cuts need to be made, um, if any. And so this is what I consider the second opportunity, meeting with the members of the supervisors who sit on the budget committee to further secure um, any funding opportunities. And this is regardless of what community asks me, I've been one in the mayor's budget because there's still no guarantee that they make it through the end of the budget process. So continuing that advocacy either to maintain the funding, increase it, or just reiterate its importance is critical in this phase. Finally, um, the third phase is through the board add back process. If you're familiar in budget advocacy um, at its peak, it's around June when a handful of stakeholders and community members and countless nonprofits and groups are trying to secure funding from the add back process. Essentially, the money that was cut from the mayor's budget um, gets split equitably to each supervisor office at the discretion of each supervisor essentially for small community budget asks. So this varies every fiscal year and every budget, um, but I like to think of this as rather than all board supervisors and the mayor negotiating about whether there needs to be a single public restroom or funding for a few trash cans in a certain district, this is more appropriate for the add back process. Um, needless to say, many stakeholders still negotiate and try to advocate for budget advocacy through um, this phase of the city's budget. Um, one example of how volatile this could be, I remember, and Madam Secretary remembers as well, 
I think it was the last budget season that we, people following the budget process were thinking there was gonna be a surplus. And naturally, as word spread, the community asks increase. Um, and, you know, the asks on the city budget were only growing, only to find out that um, when ad back season actually began around June, the city budget was much smaller. So this is a really volatile and stressful, um, but still critical time to continue your advocacy. But I'm just reiterating the importance of you all, it seems have been working with um, beyond HRC staff and the director, but also the mayor's office. And that's really important. And I know you all already met and continue to advocate um, at the board level and doing that work early on with such a sophisticated report is really important. Um, essentially, we close with June is what mo in most people's eyes is called budget season because the budget is typically completed by early July. So in closing, consistency and clarity are key. I think that's the lesson from our first revamp of the LGBT advisory committee regular interface with our electeds, and also clearly detailing what your ask is. Um, a lot of ideas within our committee and on the policy tracker, which um, Kathy can share, are equally important, but sometimes hard for folks outside of our community or elected offices to really understand exactly what the ask is. And that's why I see the importance in flushing out budget asks with line items and deliverables. So it's easy to advocate for them. A few tips on strategy, which I know a lot of you um, as a group have collectively been doing um, and lessons learned from the queer committee's um, first advocacy cycle is to start with your love circle. These are the electeds and allies and city departments and elsewhere that um, come from our community and identity. In our case, starting with the advocacy of the queer supervisors makes the most sense. And then finding overlapping objectives and solidarity with other groups and tackling the other board supervisors and using that momentum, gaining strength, strength in numbers and noting your strength in numbers um, and continuing to act, um, advocate the board regularly is very important. So. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. I'm really proud of you all. Thank you for your time today. And of course, if there are any questions, um, I'm available for that. But the top line here is to really think about the three opportunities to intercept and advocate for the mayor's budget. And also don't forget that as simple and as brief as this presentation is, so many of us didn't know about this process. And it really is important to continue um, reinforcing your role as ambassadors for the city and community and sharing about how everyone can have equal access to the budget season. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Slice. Really appreciate you um, taking the time to join us tonight. Uh, what I'm going to do is just switch the order since this is a discussion item. I'm going to come to committee first, um, and then we'll go to public comment. Uh, Member Irving. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Swice, do you have that written down? So it was a lot of information and um, I'm not sure that I heard it all and I would love to see those recommendations. 
the um, are you asking about the um, advisory committee's recommendations or are you asking about the presentation and you know the general process? Yes, the presentation, please. I am happy to send Kathy, I think we did a presentation recently for the advisory committee. We should most definitely share with this committee. Um, but if I'll not, I'll definitely send some um, top line notes as well through the secretary for you all. Thank through, you so much. Through the chair, we can also as staff pull um, from the recording and transcription. Uh, the instructions oh, that perfect. Commissioner Swice laid out and share that with the committee. Excellent. Thank you very much. Which member Carter? Okay, member Barry. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Swice, for your presentation. Is my mic on? There it is. Weird. Um, I would like to double down and, and emphasize that for the budget, we need department, there's gonna be department proposals, mayor proposal, and the board of supervisors approval. So I do encourage members of this body and the public to hit up city departments. I've really been involved with the city assessor's office and he wants to partner with the reparations committee and has all sorts of ideas. Shout out to Joaquin Torres. And also how much we need to also let the mayor hear our voices. She has so much power. She calls a lot of shots. And the more people let her know, you know, this is repairing harm, the better. So really the public and this body to take up the meeting time with her office to discuss reparations. And then of course, like Pastor Brown said, the board of supervisors themselves. So it's really all three city departments, mayor, 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 and board of supervisors. Excellent. Thank you. Any other questions for Commissioner Slice before we give his evening back to him? Member Brown. Yes, thank you, Commissioner Swice. Um, I do appreciate you providing that um, the way that you guys are advocating for um, the things that you're fighting for in your community. Just as a random question, some of the things that we've been talking about is polling folks and committees and commissions on what their stance on reparations is. So I thought I'd take this time to ask you, um, as a commissioner on the LGBTQIA advisory committee, um, what is your what is your uh, response to reparations? Are you is the LGBTQIA advisory committee um, in support of reparations for Black San Franciscans? I fully support. I think through um, the secretary, we should formally bring that to the next LGBTQIA advisory committee. Your sister advisory committee and get that formally adopted. Um, both are under the HRC, so I think it's safe to say you're going to get um, resounding support. And um, I really appreciate all the work that you all do. Um, I know these meetings are long and sometimes very hard and stressful, but if you're getting national news and recognition from folks like Fox and Friends, I think in San Francisco, that means you're doing the right thing. So keep up the good work and you definitely have the commission's support. 
And, and just to um, add something to that, I want to read one of the first recommendations from public health. It came to us from Dr. Silas. City and County of San Francisco needs more safe spaces to make Black LGBTQI plus folks feel connected and accessible to greater community culture and resources, a physical space to bring Black LGBTQI folks together to collaborate, educate, and navigate in a unified voice, support access to mental health services, share arts and cultural expression in a culturally affirming space. So there are definitely some recommendations from the that advisory committee that align with reparations. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you very much. Any other questions for Commissioner Swice? Seeing none, Commissioner Swice, again, thank you so much for your time um, with us this evening and for all that you shared. We appreciate it. Thank you and good luck tomorrow. Thanks so much. And Chair, may I add one other thing? Um, just based off of us going through the previous meetings, um, Reverend, Reverend Brown and uh, member, who was the other person? Taylor, um, have both elevated the need to you know, publicly collect endorsements. And so yes. we're creating a Google form modeled off of the state form to that you all can help mm -hmm. send out and circulate to, you know, continue to collect those endorsements. Excellent. Thank you. Reverend Brown, go ahead. Yeah, along that line, let me announce that um, on Thursday, the San Francisco Interfaith Council unanimously voted to endorse reparations by African Americans. In addition to that, some weeks ago, Ms. Barry and I appeared before the Democratic Central Committee, and they also unanimously endorsed reparations. And the other communities, we need to have a come to Jesus session with them. The NACP and I personally, I'm not going to call the names now, but the other communities out there who've been very mute and silent on this question of reparations. So we really need to uh, find out, as the old song says, what side are you on, friend? What side are you on? Excellent. Thank you, Reverend Brown. Vice Chair Hollins. Thank you, Chair. Am I, am I on? No. Yes? Okay. All right. Um, Thank you to the committee members. There are a couple of things that came to mind. Thank you to Commissioner Swice for the presentation. In as much as we need to be making sure that we have folks be vocal and documented in support of reparations, we also need to be just as adamant about calling out and calling in city departments that are complicit in the displacement of Black people in San Francisco right now, especially because we are in conversation around budget, especially because the budget issue that we are experiencing, not just here in San Francisco, but in the state and in the country has also become convenient cover for discussing what can and cannot happen with reparations, specifically when it comes to funds from the city budget. It is time for us to utilize 
the authority of this body to call those departments in to identify what they call the low hanging fruit and get them to move on it immediately. We have sat in this committee and listened to over a year, for over a year, members of the public call in and even tonight, members of this committee talk specifically about how black folks have been denied access to housing in San Francisco through the lottery systems, through Dahlia. I've heard specifically from directors of our only youth serving navigation site in San Francisco and the city's oldest black led organization in San Francisco, Booker T. Washington Community Center, that black folks, specifically transitional age youth are not being referred for housing placement in the housing programs to your to what to you mentioned earlier, um, Reverend Brown, that so many of these housing developments were built specifically with the advocacy from the advocacy of black folks in San Francisco to give access to black San Franciscans. And many of our folks don't even make it to the wait list. And so I would like for this committee to request that both the mayor's office of housing and community development and the office of housing and support and homelessness come to this committee to present on access for black San Franciscans to housing. And I do think that we should also come up with a very specific recommendation around how to make housing equitable for Black San Franciscans now, not when we finish the reparations draft advisory or draft recommendations or have the final report, and that we also utilize our voices while we are recognizing that there is a limitation for what we can do as a committee. Each of us have networks, titles, and resources outside of this, which is what I heard um, Commissioner Swice mentioned too, that we're all a part of networks. So in the same way that we are leveraging those networks to come to City Hall tomorrow, we will continue to leverage our folks to come back to City Hall for this discussion because there is no reason for us to have it again in 2024. Black people need access to housing right now. And the city can make that possible right now. They can move funds to make sure that Black-led organizations can get Black people through the eligibility and lottery process to be to be, to be considered for housing placement in San Francisco right now. So I would like for us to, do I have to make that a formal motion? Let's do it. Okay, I would like to make a formal motion that we invite the directors of MOHCD and Housing and, and Homeless Services to our meeting in May to present on housing access for Black San Franciscans. I second. All right, so there's been a motion and seconded by Member Barry. Is there any additional discussion? Hearing none, all in favor? Oh, I'm sorry, Member, Member Brown, please. I would like to add um, HSA and DPH to those lists as well. They have funds that go to housing. We wanna make sure that the black community is adequately utilizing those funds. So let me offer a friendly amendment because having four of them in one meeting um, might be a lot. So we'll do April and May. Yes. Okay, excellent. Uh-oh. San Francisco planning department to that as well. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh oh, hold on. So, so member Landry and then member <laughs> member Landry and then member Cunningham. Well, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so I went on the mayor's office of housing website before the meeting, and I I didn't see nothing about um, the certificate of preference, and it was alarming because. 
like uh, what was just said by Tanisha, we've been for years trying to get them to realize that that should be front and center. We shouldn't have to do all this great, take time to find certificate of preference. So I don't know if we want to add the mayor office of housing, uh, but it's very disappointing to see that in 2023, certificate of preference is not a focus from our mayor office of housing. Thank you very much, sir. Member Cunningham. Uh, thank you. And I just wanted to add that um, in these presentations that we asked them, what are they doing for Black folks now? Because um, it's real good about paying, painting a picture of what you plan to do in the future, which no one has a check mark system to make sure that they actually do that. So when when they're presenting first, we ask them, are you pro uh, reparations? And if you are, what are you currently doing? Let's see some statistics. Let's see some numbers. Let's see some real stuff that you're doing because they have a way of, you know, things sound good, but um, the practice is not actually real, really happening. Thank you, Member Cunningham. Um, I'm up there. Too. Thank you, Member Carter. Yeah, and then I also would like to know for us to discuss, like, what's the barriers with the COP? And I speak from my mother being a COP holder and never being eligible for homes. So it's one thing to be a holder, but a lot of people aren't getting those, still aren't able to um, get housing as COP holders. Right, right. Thank you, Member Brown, and then Member Ekinem. I think the group we need to call is OCII. Um, and I venture to say San Francisco Housing Authority. So we only have three meetings left. So I, I just no, want to have a specific question for housing. I understand. I understand. I'm just, yeah. just making it clear that we have three meetings left. So we will certainly um, yeah. add it, add as many as we can. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. Member Ekonem and then Member Barry. Two things I'd like to emphasize, particularly around housing is one or one question I absolutely want to get answered and I never has gotten answered. If you get money from HUD, you get HUD money. The buildings that are supposed that are created from that, built from that, there is a requirement that people have to be citizens. I don't understand, given that federal mandate, how people get around that. I want that answered specifically because that's been going on for decades. And every time I seem to bring it up, people have selective amnesia. Um, so that's really important to me. That's one, two. And this is part of the recommendations that we sort of put in. I like this body at some point to really sort of get behind when people say equity, when they say they're going to do something for us, we need to put a figure around that. So for example, the Office of Cannabis, they say they have an equity program and literally only 2% get through. And our recommendation, we wanted to make it 90% of our people get through. I want us to sort of take a look at the same thing for all of these other programs that are in the city and county of San Francisco, especially as we sort of go through um, our recommendations and our next steps. Because here's my biggest fear, is we're going to give money back to a system that has always hated us. Yes. Without any new metrics, without any way to sort of, you know, um, really sort of hold them accountable. Um, and I'd like to sort of, for right now, I'll just leave it there. Okay. Thank you very much. Member Barry. I, I guess the two of you. It was me, it was okay. Carter. Okay, you're Carter. Then, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So thank you, Chair. Um, since we only have three meetings, 
and certificate of preference was brought up, I'd just like to add that I talked with New Community Leadership Foundation and they got the contract to find people who have certificate mm -hmm. of preference mm -hmm. and they are prepared to give a presentation on during that time. Okay. Thank you, Member Taylor. I just want to assert, um, I last meeting talked about the fact that we need to put more emphasis on the war on drugs. Our last policy committee meeting, we talked about uh, including an impending SFPD uh, into the report, uh, its impacts. Um, SFPD asked me recently to be on the reconciliation committee that they're working on trying to figure out how to do reconciliation um, out of the chief's office. So I would be interested in having someone from the chief's office and um, uh, actually come to us and talk to us from SFPD. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Holland and then Member Irving. I just want to thank the committee for um, the strong support of bringing um, department has continued to bring in our last three meetings or in this process, right? How critical that is. Also want to remind everyone that while we may not get every city department head in those, and that, that list is going to continue to grow, right? We can keep going all night. Um, that all the majority of these departments have commissions and have meetings that we should be making sure that reparations is being discussed at and specifically around the impacts on Black San Francisco that their departments are responding to or not being responsive to. Um, and we should talk more about how that happens. I also wanna clarify, especially for the members of the public, that we are calling in these departments for information purposes to inform our community about what's happening so that we can collectively come up with a strategy about how to address it. While this body may not be the advocacy body to do that, we do that in partnership with all of you. So when you watch and view the meetings, whether you do that remotely or you come in person, know that you are coming with the intention to hear that information and then act on that information with us, right? That we are not the body that can alone make those changes and that we are limited in what we have the ability to do. But what we can do is call them in so that we can put in motion the strategy for what our community needs. So I wanna encourage you all, especially those who um, miscounted the number of folks who were in the audience tonight, that if you intend to come and pack the meetings, come with the intention of hearing these reports and then come with the recommendations and solutions that we need to move on right now for our communities. Thank you, Vice Chair Hollins, Member Irving, and then Member Landry. Um, thank you. So with three meetings left, with three meetings left, I don't think that we're going to get all those folks in, but similar to what we did to the letter we wrote to the land use, what was that department? I pulled it up. No, we did it for COP. It was to the Land Use and Transportation Committee. And so I wanted a couple of things. So I would love, I'm looking at Joel, if we could draft something with the questions we want to ask of all of these folks in these departments about what they're doing for the Black community now, if we put that in writing and request a, a written response and a timely written response. Um, and that way we have it written, documented that way, as well as it, those who can come in, there'll be a verbal, whatever they say that we can hold them to. And then to that point, it made me think about follow-up and how we wrote that as a body to the land use. And I don't know how much follow-up we did. So we can't write things and then don't go back and check and say, where are we now? So we made some recommendations and maybe they've been shared because I know that, um, that we've had some updates on COP, but I just, in a written response, like the things that you have implemented, didn't do what you say you're going to do um, would be helpful for this community for accountability. Excellent. Thank you very much. Member Landry. Yes. So as the policy subcommittee, 
Uh, well, I, you know, I request for OCI executive director two days ago to appear at our next subcommittee meeting, which is uh, Friday, April 21st. Did I get it right? <laughs> um, a lot what like what was just said about what we request before even land use. Remember, we I, I don't know if it was this uh, San Francisco planning uh, department, but I remember one of those agencies came before us and we asked some real clear questions about housing and we wanted some uh, Imperia um, information regarding like, for example, the uh, disposition agreement, land disposition agreement, owner's participation agreement since um, 1948, a citywide list of community benefits agreements, which I know uh, Brother Oscar, who was on a, a public comment earlier, have been asking for the former redevelopment agency successor, o OCII, to uh, give to the community for uh, literally for years now. And then the other one was that we wanted a list of the San Francisco redevelopment properties that have literally been sold for a dollar retroacted back to 1948. There's many little parks, many parks throughout this city that sometime when you look at the long range goal objectives from the Department of Finance, who's actually over OCII, they, they, they can appeal to the state to use them particular parks or properties for governmental use. So this is why when you have the public say the Fillmore Heritage Center and continue to beat the drums that they can give up the Fillmore Heritage Center, is this, we gotta speak to the right department. Is the department of finances and on a state level? And I know that at this point, we gotta be very clear, OCII, is the big one when it comes to the uh, COP, because I'm a, a current COP holder and I was on the waiting list for lower garden co-ops for literally 15 years. And when I finally got a call, they told me it was $25,000 to move in. With literally no resources from our, our city when it comes to helping those who would a, a COP, it, it's to me, it's at a point now, OCII has got to really explain to us all these displacees and why it's limited fundings when it comes to those who's our certificate of preference those are not just only for the residential but for even the businesses that existed in our city uh in the past i just want thank you sir member carter so i want to make a motion to send an official request for the planning department dph OCII to agendize reparations for it. So, I'm sorry, say that one more time. I want to make a motion to send an official request for planning OCII DPH to agendize a reparations hearing. In their meeting? Is that what you meant? I just want to understand. So I want them to come in their meeting? I was thinking for them to come here. Well, you'd already talked about okay. them coming here. Well, yeah, in their yes. meeting too, then. Yes. Let's go both. Okay. All right, just to be clear. So well, well through the through the chair, I was going to say that it could be a double effort because each almost every um department that's been named HSA, OCII, DPH, MOCD, SFPD, and HSH have their own commissions. Yes. And so you could both invite the department heads here 
and, and then either get agendized, agendized right. to present. Excellent. And can we also add the mayor's office in that? No? Okay. Uh, you can always invite. <clears throat> hold, hold on. Oh, member Economics gone. Okay, member Irving. I don't know about format, but like to have all those presentations might be a lot, but I wonder if there's like a panel discussion. Can we have them up as panelists and we ask questions and get their responses? That's too much too. So let's get the invitation out um, and let's vote in just a moment. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The end of the word can easily become a dog and pony show mm -hmm. and not substantive information. <laughs> we, 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 got, we, we got to move. Many of us already know what these folks are doing. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we know that the homeless department is not right. Look what happens over there right now in Bayview. And who's going to grab a Mother Browns now? Mm. Right in our backyard over there. And they have had a monopoly on this so-called homeless problem where we are 40% of the population. How many black groups are in charge of navigation centers and qualities are on shelters? They've had black churches on a shoestring, doing so much with so little from so few. But they've not had the respect to even invite these black churches when they're cutting the pie. And they've been giving these major contracts to these big box institutions, which is blatantly discriminatory. But it's going on right now, as we and we speak. Thank you, Reverend Brown. Vice Chair Hollins. Just briefly appreciate again the, the committee and all the recommendations for all the departments. I would like for us to focus on MOCD and HSH. And we can, of course, um, move through with the request to have reparations agendaized at other committees. But I think because of the timeline that we're on, and especially as we move closer to budget season, we should be prioritizing a smaller number of those departments to come. Well, can in. we at least add SF plan? And I think that that's also. It's already that's included. The, oh, it is. Committee. Okay. Okay. Member Ekonim. Specific to uh, OCII, went and housing, when they come, we need to really sort of focus in on them with the transfer of housing from OCII to MOHCD and how that is done and who gets to manage that process. Because currently OCII builds it. They've actually had to send it over to MOHCD. MOHCD, is the, they're the people who are sort of managing the intake and all this other stuff. So I just don't want that transition to get lost right? Because there's a lot that's sort of going on there. That's one. Two, um, the other thing that I want to sort of elevate, this might be, unfortunately, a July conversation versus like before June, but we also need to take a look at Treasure Island. Treasure Island. Most of those people out there look like us. They were moved out there. They That is modern day redlining at its best. 
because right now we have people who are living out there. They have power outages constantly. There've been a new power line sort of put in that goes past all of the residents up to the people on the hill that can afford the million dollar houses. This is happening right here, right now, and we just don't know about it. So maybe not before June, but we need to invite Tida to one of our meetings because that is disgusting to me. It is happening now, today, to people who look just like us. They're giving resources to the people up on the hill who can buy the new like apartments and condos, et cetera. Thank you. All right. So what we have before us is um, a ask each of these departments to agendize um, and then to Vice Chair Holland's point of focus. Now I need you to say what you said again, just so we're clear on what we're voting on. MOHCD, HSH, planning, OCII. Okay. So motion is second by Member Barry. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Hearing none, motion carries. Excellent. All righty. Um, with that, then let's go to public comment. <laughs> um, we will open public comment to members of the public who are attending in person. I see Ace Washington. Ace, you're on the case. <laughs> been sitting here, I've been used to going to four or five hours of meeting back in the day before the virus. And I appreciate this is the first time a public meeting. And I have some strong recommendations for y'all. Now, because the public ain't here, because you've been doing the Zoom, and a lot of people don't do the Zoom. But the thing about it is, you have now until the end to make this thing Everybody could come out and find out what's happening. And then the other thing, and I'm not criticizing y'all, but y'all ain't inviting none of the supervisors, none of the department heads involved with things going on. Y'all need to conduit somebody that is a consultant that can make them department heads come to your meetings. And there ain't nobody but ACEA on the case. I know all the department heads. They're switched over. I've been through five administrations and all kinds of supervisors. And all these down at OCII, I know how them develop. I mean, I know all the department heads. All you need is give me a title to work with you. And I have them here for you. My name is Ace. I'm on the case. And y'all woke me up when you start talking about the money. Whoa. I get so excited about that because I'm already claiming my five. <laughs> you know, ain't no jive. You don't give me my five. My last name is Washington. George Washington was my great, 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 great grandfather. And everybody in the city. No, I, I'm just, but this, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited right now. Y'all need to have a conduit to work with y'all at the city hall. I'm trying to tell y'all, I have been up all in it, y'all. Thank you, Brother Ace. Now I welcome our next public commenter. I want to say, first of all, congratulations to the committee. As many as years that we've been on this side, finally looking at folks that were on this side, that's on that side, that's making these recommendations and things. We've came a long way now. It's our turn now, so you're doing it, you know. But we got to look at the future and make sure 
you know, that 20 years from now that these plans are solid and we got something stored that we ain't coming back here again and making these recommendations. We just asking for more, <laughs> right? So I'm looking at it from a standpoint of the 99-year lease. San Francisco Housing Authority gave John Stewart and all these corporations a 99-year lease for our housing developments, low-income housing. Let's turn them into co-ops. Let's charge HUD. We'll turn all our housing projects into cooperatives and learn how to deal as owners instead of just low-income mindsets and just putting our people in projects. Let's change that opposite. Let's look at the development, as you said, he's planning everything, uh, you know, from Scott Wiener's office and everybody with these housing, man, the low-income housing. Let's get some low-income condos for black folks. With paid down payment assistance, with a 99-year lease, you know, where it's low-income, low-income condos. Let's get into some ownership and not just keep talking about low-income housing and affordable housing. Let's just get the people a choice now to move out Instead of handing over units, which is okay, handing over low-income units to kids, hand over a condo, something that we can get ahead on so we can develop, develop something in 20 years from now, some equity. You know, we have our biggest, and we talk about economic development, we have one of the biggest economic development projects in, in the Fillmore, called the Fillmore Center, in which after the what was it, the 30, 40 year mandate of low income housing, they kicked everybody out. And there's probably about five folks still there that's under low income housing. They got the largest Thank storefronts in Fillmore and we haven't been able to get to them yet. So let's look at what we can do now for 20 years. Are there any other members of the public who would like to participate in person? Welcome. Uh, hi, once again, um, I didn't know this was the first time everybody was meeting in person. So um, I'm excited to know that I'm here for it. And this is my first meeting with you guys like this. So um, once again, I just want to express my gratitude for what you guys are doing. This is the magnitude of what you guys are taking on is so, is so huge. In, in my opinion, I think it might actually surpass, you know, some of the work that was in 1965. This is, this is, this is bigger than big. It's bigger than each and every one of us individually. And um, I'm pretty sure you've heard the sentiment of people over Zoom and in person. This is something that we're trying to get done. That's not just going to be a one-time thing that we don't come back uh, years from now. Um, and I'm also hearing the concerns about uh, low-income earners, uh, foster children. Um, I haven't really heard of anybody uh, bringing up exactly what we're going to do for those who are um, elderly and disabled just quite yet. But I'm pretty sure that's going to that's going to come around. Um, but yeah, once again, I just I want to thank what you guys. I want to thank you guys for the work that you're doing. It's so overdue and so needed. And um, to reiterate what I said earlier, I am eager, eager, eager to share with you guys the plan that I have written. It addresses many of the concerns that have been brought up tonight and every other meeting so far. And um, yeah, I can't uh, wait to collab with you all. And uh, God bless. See you guys. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public here in the chamber who would like to participate in public comment on this item? Okay, now we'll move over to um, public comment virtually. Alicia Mayo, I see you first. Oh, good evening. Thanks again, committee. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. Okay, first thing, Commissioner Swice, 
thank you for coming and appearing tonight and giving your advice. With all due respect, uh, two men make more money than one woman who is raising her kids alone. Um, we don't need any more presentations from commissioners. We want them to present a stimulus package. Prepare a stimulus package. Have these committee members prepare a stimulus package that they can implement immediately, whether they come from the Housing Commission, Education Commission, Health, Mental Health Care Commission, whatever. Speaking of commissions, I just, I was just terminated by the president of the Behavioral Health Commission because I would not give her the rights to my media. I own an independent media company that is being supported by the Dreamkeeper Initiative. And here comes this Behavioral Health Commission president, Dr. Harriet Stevens, trying to take what is mine. Okay, this is a black woman, right? And I'm a black woman. The dirt is still being done. I'm not bitter because I still move and make things happen for myself. But when you have a commissioner, the president of a behavioral health commission trying to drive me crazy with the dirty backdoor deals and asking me, where's the money, Alicia? Show us where the money is. We need to know who we're dealing with when we have these commissioners come and speak. We can't trust them. Yeah. And I'm just keeping it real. Um, I don't think that we need to siphon the money from uh, the budget to a commissioner so they can create uh, some program that they don't qualify to deliver. That's what's happening with some of these commissioners. So let's be careful about who we invite and what we expect time, of them. Your time is up. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome India Price. Uh, yes, hello. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I am completely um, wowed at like, how in real time everything is being done. And I just can see the changes happening in real time and it's really exciting. But I also wanted to, um, for a recommendation is I think individuals who have been um, harmed by healthcare, that should be really kind of specified within there. I don't, I don't know if it is. Um, I think it should be added within the eligibility as well. If you are a victim of any healthcare harm or a descendant of somebody of healthcare harm, that should be added in there. My mother, um, she was a victim of healthcare harm. She was a victim of the California um, hospital system. So I definitely think that is something that should be implemented in there because it could be definitely a reason why individuals could be displaced or it could be a reason why individuals um, are not able, not able to work or you know a multitude of things. Um, but overall, I'm grateful um, that you guys are putting these things into motion and everything is just happening in real time. So thank you so much. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Daryl Williams. Hi, how are you this evening? Good, thank you. Good. My, I just had one question. I was just wondering, do you really think that they're going to even give us reparations? I mean, after all this time, it's been centuries now, and now the discussions are just coming up, or is it a, an agenda behind the discussions, or 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 are they really planning on repairing our people? Okay. Is that your comment? Yes. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Cheryl Thornton. Oh, good evening. Um, 
Yes, my uh, comment is uh, on the task force, seat six is about employment discrimination. And so employment discrimination here in San Francisco impacts um, it, uh, how much of a real estate loan you're gonna qualify for, what school your child's gonna go to, what neighborhood you're gonna live in, what healthcare provider you're gonna have and so forth. And so I um, haven't seen anything too much in this report that talks about the employment discrimination that is going on here in the city and county of San Francisco. Black workers are at the very bottom of the workforce, the, the first to be hired, I mean, the last to be hired, the first to be fired, the last to be promoted. Um, and I understand about Proposition 209, but regardless, there should be some mention about employment discrimination and the impact to the black community here in San Francisco. Because um, the other thing is the medium income, I believe for a white resident in San Francisco is $121,000. So if we are to qualify for affordable housing, we have to be, um, be able to compete with those incomes. And the way that the employment is being played out in the city and county of San Francisco the health department, SFMTA, uh, HSA, all of these departments is discriminating against black people. And that's why if you look at all the data, we're at the very bottom. Thank you. Kathy, before you call the next. So I just wanna remind members of the community that while we welcome all of your public comment, we need you to stay focused on the agenda item around which you are offering comment. There is an item at the end of the agenda that's general public comment, when you can offer more general public comment. So please, those members that Kathy will call on now, we are on uh, item number four, which is the budget advocacy. Thanks so much. Renee Tucker. Hi, you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, hi. Um, I, I'm a COP order and I was looking at, I was looking over the proposals that uh, you guys had um, given us to see and my wife, um, printed everything out and I got an opportunity to read over some things and this is great. I echo, I echo all the excitement that other people are sharing and also understand the frustration that people are kind of displacing onto y'all, but um, this is awesome. This is a great opportunity for all of us really to get what our ancestors have been kind of, you know, wishing that we've all gotten. But um, looking over everything and knowing that there's a rally tomorrow, I believe, it's a rally. Um, it's it's going to be storming tomorrow. Um, do you guys have a plan B to uh, reset the rally or, or reschedule the rally? And two, um, it, it's great that we're doing everything for our communities. However, you know, we all know that there are like really scary situation where we don't want to snitch or talk about the real problems in our neighborhood. And I was wondering if you guys will ever have like a committee to talk about those small intricate. Excuse me, this is item is on the budget. We do okay. have general public comment and you could participate in that later in the meeting, but this really is meant to just focus on the budget discussion item. Okay, okay, okay. All Thank right. you. Jasmine Robinson.
Jasmine, I see that you are unmuted. I'm sorry, Jasmine, we cannot hear you. And your time's up. Are there any other members of the public who would like to participate and comment on the budget advocacy item? Okay, I see none, Chair. Seeing none, public comment is now closed. Please call the next item. Item number five is the Chair's report. And we will hear from, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. We will hear from Chair McDonald and Vice Chair Hollins of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. They will report back on their work representing the advisory committee since the February 13, 2023 meeting. There will be public comment on this item. Um, item A under this heading is African-American Reparations Advisory Committee draft report listening sessions update an update on seat 15 nominations to the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee, and an update on the March 14, 2023 presentation to the City and County San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Thank you very much. Um, so three items that Vice Chair Hollins and I will, will both contribute to. Uh, first on the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee draft report listening sessions. Um, the first listening session was held on March 2nd at USF. We thank USF for hosting us. Um, great attendance, including members of community, students, um, and folks who heard about and decided to participate. Also want to thank members um, Gwendolyn Brown, Professor Taylor, Vice Chair Hollins for their attendance and participation. And as always, we appreciate the HRC staff who helped to coordinate um, the, the remaining listening sessions on this um, schedule. There is another schedule being developed led by Member Barry, but on this schedule is uh, on March 23rd and another on April 20th at USF at 6 p.m. And Secretary Meyer will put more information in the chat. And I would just say as a, as a, a related comment to the session, really exciting to both hear members of community, one of whom's in the room tonight, just shout out to her for coming almost everywhere we go. And we appreciate her, um, but also having young people um, in the room getting excited about um, this thing called reparations. And so we really appreciate that. Moving then to second item, um, seat 15, uh, we have progress on filling seat 15 on the Reparations Advisory Committee. Applicants will appear before the Rules Committee on Monday, April 3rd at 10 a.m. Then the applicant selected by the Rules Committee for seat 15 will be conferred at the Board of Supervisors the next day, April 4th. And we want to thank those who applied. Finally, uh, we have a, <clears throat> excuse me, as everyone knows, a meeting with the Committee of the Whole, Board of Supervisors tomorrow. Um, there will be both a presentation by DreamCubes Initiative as well as the um, Reparations Committee. Um, that presentation initially will be made by um, Brittany Tequata as well as Vice Chair Hollins and myself. Um, and so we will do that. And what will follow will be um, presumably questions from the Board of Supervisors, the board members, um, and then it will go to public comment. Um, there are plans to, related to the rally just prior to 
um, to try to um, have some tenting available um, due to the possible ugly weather. Uh, and there will also be lunch prepared, not prepared, sorry, as if I'm cooking somewhere. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, there will be lunch. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't do that. I do something, but cooking is not one of them. Um, there will be lunch prepared. Um, and so again, for those that uh, can attend, we'd love to have you attend. Uh, now let me invite Vice Chair Hollins uh, to represent events she's participated in um, this last month. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm on. Okay. Thank you, Chair McDonald. Uh, good evening, everyone. So there are a couple things that uh, I want to share with you all. I want to thank uh, Mills College at Northeastern University. Uh, we were invited, so I presented uh, to be a part of a panel discussion around Black reparations. So I was really honored to represent our work and present on it. Um, was joined by a couple of other cities and representatives from uh, the state commission. I think uh, Chair Camila Moore was on that presentation panel with me as well. Um, so glad to represent the city there and the work that we are doing. Um, we also, uh, I also recently attended the Black Employee Alliance meeting, so I know that that has come up quite a bit even tonight, but I want to thank uh, Chair Dante King, Member Barry for her advocacy and um, participation in that group as well. Um, I just want to remind folks, as we've had a conversation here tonight and also heard in public comment, um, there seems to be a lot of urgency around consideration for a recommendation around this. Um, so I hope that you all are able to continue that conversation at the economic subcommittee and also wanna make sure that the members of the public who are listening in um, see that as a place to continue sharing their thoughts so we have an actual recommendation. But definitely heard the need and wanna thank the Alliance for reaching out to us and for the time to present. Um, a couple other quick things. Um, I wanna thank uh, HRC staff, specifically Director Chiquata and Joel and the students at USF and the scholars. Um, the, the listening session that was hosted last week was amazing, um, was joined by uh, Professor, if you ain't heard Professor Taylor. <laughs> Preach. Preach and educate. <laughs> He had me ready to sign up for USF, but um, just really appreciated being in the space and how powerful it was to have um, young people um, giving their thoughts and ideas um, about reparations as well. I also want to just be mindful that while these are curated listening sessions or info sessions, that we are not limited to just those info sessions and want to encourage the members of this committee to continue thinking about spaces where we need to be. If it would be helpful for us to draft some type of outline for how to present on the work that we've been doing in a very easy way and then use that as an opportunity to just hear from folks, we can do that. Obviously, um, we have a limited time and a very short bandwidth, and we've heard over and over again, especially after uh, the draft recommendations, draft report was released publicly, um, there's been a lot of media requests and a lot of conversation about one or two recommendations in the report, as opposed to the other 110 that are there, right? So this is our opportunity to have those smaller sessions and continue that work. So just want to offer that while these are great listening sessions that we are not limited and we should be using this time, specifically between now and May, um, to do more of that work and hear from community and make sure their voices are included. 
Um, I also want to thank HRC. We do have some reparation swag, y'all. Finally, I think if it's not too wet, we'll see some outside tomorrow. Um, but I have uh, offered SF Black Wall Street space to be a holding space for members of this committee to come and grab some swag and some of the outreach materials. We don't have much. I'm not announcing our address publicly, members of the public. Um, <laughs> please reach out to a committee staff uh, if you have interest in getting some of that for your organization. I know that more will be developed. Also want to encourage you all to follow the website and as a reparations on social media so that you'll be able to see more and share more of the information. But just playing on or lifting up rather um, how much uh, outreach has come up in this meeting tonight and will continue to come up. It's going to be on this committee to help further that cause. Um, so we do have some materials that um, you can coordinate with me and we will help make sure that you get some to help distribute. Um, the last thing I will say is I hope I ain't gonna lie, I need my five or whatever it was that uh, Ace on your face said gets on a reparations t-shirt because I will wear it. And that's all I have right now, Chair McDonald. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. So if there are, there are t-shirt producers out there um, and you wanna slap it on and um, set up on the corner, I, I, I got you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just a couple of other, uh, one again, shout out to member Barry. Um, who continues to open doors to bring us into. She took me with her to another meeting, the Haight-Ashbury Neighborhood Council, um, where uh, we made a presentation um, to them. So the opportunities are increasing. So I really want to encourage members, um, either both in terms of response to these opportunities, but also to make them because Member Barry just makes them. She knocks doors down. So um, please, uh, we invite you to do so. Are there any other presentations or um, engagement members have done over the last month? I would just add, uh, Member Cunningham um, had to step out, but Member Cunningham and I attended the Bayview Hill Neighborhood Association's um, community meeting last week, and uh, she presented on the reparations plan and invited them to both endorse and attend tomorrow's meeting. Um, and Mem Member Cunningham also uh, appeared in uh, community member Phyllis Bowie's um, PSA on reparations, um, which was emailed out to you all for circulation. Um, and then at, at Reverend Brown's suggestion, we we uh, reached out to, is her name Miss April, Reverend Brown? On the radio show? Miss April. Miss April? Right. Yes. Um, and she covered the upcoming hearing on her station. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you all for the, yes. Member Landry. Well, I got to say, <laughs> Member Barry is everywhere because she was up <laughs> at the state California reparations task force uh, meeting also along with myself and, of course, our great historian, Dr. Brown. And it was wonderful to hear that um, the support um, to get back to like the endorsements and all the work that's going on on the state level. So that was Excellent. very wonderful. And they have an upcoming meeting on uh, March 29th and March 30th. And in Sacramento also. Awesome. Thank you. Is this the time? Um, Sacramento, mm -hmm. Detroit, and Chicago have all established reparations committees in the last month or two. Mm -hmm. Chicago, Detroit, and Sacramento. And Washington, D.C. And Berkeley. And I was just on a call with folks in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So more, it's it's growing, y'all. We're, we're inspiring. Let's go. Let's go. We're inspiring. So more to come. All righty. Thank you. Um, with that, let's go to public comment. 
And this is public comment on the chair's report. General public comment is coming. It's next. This is public comment on the chair's report. You know, that boring report that there's not a lot to say about it, but. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on the chair's report? Are there any members of the public attending remotely who would like to comment on the chair's report? Okay, and this should be on the chair's report. And because this is 9.08 p.m. and we still have general public comment on items not on the agenda, we will turn off mics if it is not related to the chair's report. Amen. I invite Libba Shepard. No, I need to, that, that's not what I'm going to be commenting on. I was. I had my hand up from the last time, but I guess you didn't see it. So I'll wait to the public. Next. So next. Okay, um, <laughs> Alicia Mayo. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm much more calm now. So I can say to the chair McDonald and vice chair Hollins, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to speak about repar reparations on Clarity Media, my digital platforms is spelled C-L-A-R-I, capital T, Mayo, I'm media, sorry, Clarity Media. I have for the past three weeks been reading every page of report number one. I'm on page 57. I'll continue the reading tomorrow at 5 p.m. And then hopefully I will see some of the committee members eventually, if not chair and vice chair on my platform to talk a little bit more about whatever you guys are talking about publicly. We'll take anything. We'll take anything on social media. So thank you for accepting my invitations. I'm looking forward to the conversations and I'm looking forward to reading through all of report number two. If any of the public out there needs to just sit and listen to what's in the report, Go to Clarity Media or look for me, Alicia Mayo, online. Just Google me, honey. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Are there any other members of the public who want to comment on the chair's report? Okay, I do not see any members of the public. Sorry, seeing none. Public comment is closed. Thank you all very much. Uh, please call the next item. Item number six is general public comment on items not on the agenda. Members of the public may address the committee on matters that are within the committee's jurisdiction and not on and are not on today's agenda. There's uh, members of the public should refrain from mentioning specific people and just discuss general public comment. Oscar James. There's someone here in the room, too, just so you know. Oh, sorry, Oscar. We do have one member of the public in, attending in person who would like to comment first. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I just have two quick items. One, I would just like to address, um, even though I wasn't specifically on the agenda, as the committee continues to take recommendations, I dislike for us to be mindful. And I say us because we're all in this together. Um, what um, Reverend Brown said about us refining 
the things that we are looking to. Um, we need to be mindful of the fact that the Board of Supervisors, um, and I'm going to say it, there's silence on um, being invested in this. Uh, I feel like the longer that the list becomes, the wider the list becomes, will provide them an opportunity, excuse, um, or reason to reject um, recommendations for reparations. Uh, my last comment is um, that I would also like for, and I say the general public, for us to remember that in going to meetings or reparations hearings, hearings, this is not the place for us to air out our beefs or frustrations with other Black folks, mm. period. Um, it wastes valuable time. When we come to these reparations hearings and meetings, we need to talk about why it's important for us to get reparations, who should be paid reparations, and why. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, now I will welcome, um, we have another member of the public in person. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Um, I'm Trevor. I think that we need to focus on, um, hello, first of all, y'all doing a great job. I think that we need to focus on um, ownership because that stops the circle of whether it's business ownerships that stops us not having jobs. We can hire each other. They're um, land ownership that you can't displace us if we have the if we have these things. I think that's first, and I think we need to call out people that are against this. I think anybody that that is not for us, that is not, don't think that we deserve reparations. There's something wrong with them, mm -hmm. and we need to we need to address it. Period. Point blank. Thank you. God bless y'all. Have a good. Thank one. you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public in person who want to participate in general public comment? Okay, now I will move over to public comment um, on the uh, on Zoom remote public comment. Oscar James. Good evening again. I first like to ditto those two persons that spoke in public. I agree with what they said, but I want to commend each and every one of you commissioners for the, the work you have done thus far. One, one thing I would like to know is when you when is your regular meetings and tomorrow meeting, I guess is going to be at the Board of Supervisors. And I will be there rain, sun or shine. I'll be there. And I may be wet, but I definitely will be there in support. And I thank each and every one of you personally. But I do want to know when the meeting is going to be so I can uh, so I can attend. Thank you. Very thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Libba Shepherd. Hi. Okay. So I, first of all, I want to say thank you guys so much for all the hard work that you do and continue to do. It is truly appreciated. Um, so there was a couple of things that wasn't mentioned. Um, children who I think was even born in 1992, there's no race on their birth certificate. So I don't think that that has been brought up 
Um, but I know I had a child born in 92. There's no race on her birth certificate one in 2001. So we need to take a look at that and how are we going to address that? Um, also, um, if I had it correct, it said people that was born or in San Francisco from 1946 to 1996 or something like that qualify for reparations. So what about the child that's born in San Francisco in the 2000s? I don't think that we have put that in there and addressed that. Um, so, so we definitely need to take a, a look at that. Also, we had talked a little bit about an executive decision um, I think um, the only way we're going to really guarantee to get um, reparation is to have it set up as an executive decision. And we need, that's, that's really what we need to keep looking at is how we want to put this through as an executive decision um, and have, and, and that's it. Um, they will make a decision on it. And also the foster youth, um, that's a little disturbing to me that they would have to be born in San Francisco because what about the foster youth that the youth that came here when they was two and then they went through the foster care system and that so they're just excluded because they wasn't born in San Francisco. Um, I don't know how much justice that is really to the to the foster youth. So those are the, the things that came to mind for me that I think that we still need to Thank you for your comment. Your two minutes is up. Now I'd like to welcome Alicia Mayo. She's coming. She already coming. On general public oh, comment. Oh, oh, oh. This is yeah. general public. This is general public comment. Uh, I see Dominic Anthony. Can you hear me? Yes. So I just had, I guess, a question for clarity to go back to the time frame of 1946 to 1996. That's covering all these subgenres I'm hearing from everyone. So I'm not, I guess I'm a little confused as who that's supposed to cover as far as the, the, um, the time frame of the year. Um, to a point earlier, as far as from the comments of being Negro to the on the birth certificates, my grandmother's born in 1943. Hers actually says Negris, mm -hmm. Texas. So that's another one you can add there. Mm. She's been in San Francisco, retired service member of San Francisco. Um, Negris. Also, my next question would have been: I heard someone mention private schools being a way of eligibility. And my question would be, how would that be verifiable when most of the private schools have been closed down in San Francisco? Um, and I guess my next one would be, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have this written down too. <laughs> oh, as far as the organizations, the historical organizations, the historical organizations in San Francisco, how would one have access to records to prove or provide some type of proof that their family or relatives have served in some organizations like Freemason, 
Freemasonry or Eastern stars? Would that be accessible for families to um, have to be able to prove as part of the, as part of the eligibility? And that's Thank it. You. Thank you. Leilani L or Leilani I? I, I was just concerned about the documentation process, especially regarding housing. I think that one of the comments was that, you know, they could use eviction as a way to define displacement. But I wanted to be clear that some people weren't always evicted. Some had to leave. Some chose to not be evicted um, so that they can rent or buy later on. So I feel like we need other criterias when talking about housing displacement and gentrification. Um, also a COP holder tried to call in earlier and explain that they've applied to many different um, developments. And for some reason, their numbers are never called. And um, when MOCHD comes, I would like to have a discussion on more transparency because a lot of this is based on documentation. And whenever you ask MOH, MOHCD for anything, they just tell you verbally. They don't, they don't show you anything. I have a, a 90 year old, 98 year old woman who's trying to sell her home. And basically she thinks, her family thinks that they turned in a form to make her unit market rate. And the mayor's office is saying that they don't, that she never did, which does not make sense. And we've had discussions about this for over a year. Um, people have tried to reach out to the director. And um, there needs to be more transparency. If you're asking for documents over the last 10 or 20 years, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, Thank you for your comments. I'd like to welcome Alicia Mayo. Okay, thank you for taking my comments. Um, so about Mo, Mo CD, um, I don't qualify because I was married and my ex-husband bought the house that we lived in. And even though I was on the title, I didn't buy the house. It wasn't under my credit. But Mo CD said that I still don't qualify to buy my own first time home. I'm divorced now from my ex-husband but I don't qualify for the MoCD program. I'm a born and raised in San Francisco. So that's an issue with the housing qualifications for first time home buyers. And then the other uh, thing that I was bringing up about transparency with commissions. A lot of folks don't get to the place where I was, where I'm working for a commission in San Francisco at the level where I was working. So use me as an example. Um, there are commission members who create nonprofits just to siphon city funding into their nonprofits. I saw it firsthand. They wanted to know how I got my DreamKeeper dollars. What did I do to get them? I wrote a grant and I qualified because I deliver something that the city wanted. 
they are making up nonprofit organizations so that they can siphon money into behavioral health, quote unquote, programs, not serving the people. Use me as an example, because I know there are this very specific line item, more transparency, more uh, accountability needs to be um, uh, forced, mandated by these commissions and commission members. I don't know what it is about folks who get on a commission. Thank you for your comment. The two minutes was up. Now I'd like to welcome Tina Bulan. Hi. Thank you for taking my comment. I too would like to um, commend the members of the commission and the many months of hard work. I sat in on the meeting um, last month in February and I, I thought, um, and I could be uh, mistaken, I hope I am, that uh, late in the meeting, near the end, uh, one of the committee members made a uh, late hour suggestion uh, remarking that perhaps the committee should modify the published draft required more recent connection to San Francisco to qualify for the reparations of uh, cash and benefits. Um, if, if, that, um, if that recommendation is still out there, or that suggestion is still out there, I just wanted to um, go on record that I disagree with, with that proposal and recommend the committee not act on that suggestion because there are people who were born and raised in San Francisco who were long time or who were long-term residents that would meet the current eligibility criteria in the published draft. And their eligibility should not be eliminated in my view or undercut because they eventually moved from San Francisco to cities in which they could afford to live. Um, I don't think that the reparations proposal um, was re originally designed, I hope, to give preference to people with more recent residence in San Francisco over the who've been in San Francisco or who were in San Francisco for decades, beginning in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, you know, African-Americans who worked for many decades and who contributed to the economy, the civic life, politics, and culture of the city, but who later had to make the difficult decision to move out of the city because they couldn't any longer afford to live there or buy real estate. And so I just wanted to, um, again, um, double check to see if that was a suggestion. Thank you. Um, your public comment had reached the two minute mark. Are there any other members of the public who would like to comment on general public comments on items not on the agenda? Okay, Chair, I do not see any members raising their hands or anyone in person. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Thank you all very, very much. Please call next item. Item number seven is adoption of the February 13, 2023 meeting recording and minutes. This is a discussion and possible action item. Thank uh, you very much. The, the transcription and video uh, from the February 13th, 2023 meeting is available uh, on the African American Representative Advisory Committee uh, website at SFGov. Um, now we'll go to public comment on this item before we come back to the committee. Are there any members of the public attending in person who have comments about the meeting minutes from February 13, 2023 meeting? 
Okay, I see no members of the public attending in person who have comments on this item. Are there any attendees um, participating remotely who have any comments on the minutes? Okay, I don't see any members of the public who have any comments on seeing, the minutes. Seeing none, public comment is closed. I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes. Moved by Reverend Brown. Is there a second? Second by two. <laughs> Member Ekinem. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Excellent. Motion carries. Minutes are approved. Please call the final item. <laughs> item number eight is adjournment. So first, thank you to the members of the public for participating in our meeting this evening. As always, we'd like to thank those who stayed to the very, very end. So those who are in chambers, thank you. We appreciate you. Those who are online, all 50 of you, thank you. We appreciate you. Um, and to the other uh, 100 who had to leave, we appreciate them as well. Um, our next meeting is scheduled for April. Uh-oh, there's no date in my minutes. April 10th. Thank you. April 10th, uh, 2023 at 5.30 here in Chambers and also will be available um, via Zoom as well. Before I adjourn, again, I want to remind everyone to participate in tomorrow's presentation to the Board of Supervisors. Come to the rally first, uh, and then let's together have a little bite, and then let's go to Chambers. Um, again, the meeting itself will start at uh, 2 p.m., the Committee of the Whole, where we will present, begins at 3 p.m. There is a link for you to register. Uh, we'd ask you to do that. Not required, um, but we'd ask you to do that. That would be fantastic. For those who would like to participate remotely, um, you can watch on SF Cable channels 26, 28, 78, or 99, depending on your upon your provider, uh, or you can watch on sfgovtv.org. The public comment call-in number and meeting ID will be placed in the chat. Um, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Uh, Vice Chair Hollins, is there a second? Second. By acclamation, we are adjourned. Thank you all so very much. Have a great evening. Get home safely. Yes.